today on The Virus. You're listening to The Virus. The Ron and Fez Show starts... Now.
Sunshine daydreams Reach you in the tall trees Going where the wind goes Blooming like a red rose Roll of a sweet man Buddies. It's Red Fez Show on a, I guess, Friday? No, it's Tuesday. Thank God it's Friday. It's not, though. Body time. Uh, it could be party time in Tuesdays, you know. You're not that type of guy that go, oh, I have work tomorrow. It's never, never one of those things that bothers you. What? Uh, you started us off with a little dead today. Any reason? We lost Jerry. Again? 16 years ago to the day. Wow. 95. Wow, 16 years ago. Yeah. This is crazy. Super sad. My prediction is to be with lived. Yeah. They would have had nine number one albums since then, and they would have been totally accepted by the entire mainstream. Shit, they would have peaked. Yeah, they would have. <laughs> it was a late, late peaker. <laughs> um, all right, Ron and Fez show. Lots to talk about today. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Yes, I used the phone number today, Zito. I'm glad that you do Good. follow Good. along and Good. treat this as if it was all... Needed to be done perfectly, but I can't get either one of the guys to say it. I tried to I set said, it up yesterday. I said yesterday. You said it once, and you struggled through it like it was like, oh, I don't believe I have to take out the trash, Mom. Eight six six one zero five. See, I wish it. You, so you want to go back to it today? Whatever you want, Ronnie. B. Let's say that's the thing. <laughs> when you go, whatever you want, that doesn't. That's not what I'm looking for. I don't want to come in here and feel like I'm in a restaurant and you're the fucking captain of the waiters. I want you to feel like. No, I would love to be the guy. This is important to me. 866 then. All right, look who's grabbing the stick. Look who's ready to grab the stick today. All right, it is the Ron and Fez show. Uh, I brought up Mark Zito because he tells me that he's got a big story that's just driving him insane and he can't live with himself. What is it, Zietz? The Steve Williams thing. Everyone's shitting on Steve Williams. Doctor, uh, what is it? Doctor Death. Dr. Steve Death. Death. Yeah, Doctor Death. Steve Williams. No, not Doctor Death. Too bad, then, because he's great. Yeah. Was. 
Yeah, he's dead. Uh, but the, the, the Steve Williams was, was Tiger Woods' caddy, now is Adam Scott's caddy. And everyone's freaking out because Adam Scott won the big tournament over the weekend, and people are saying Steve Williams talked too much to the media. Well, now, from what I understand, they're not supposed to talk at all. Yeah, I guess it's a caddy's job to consistently remain quiet. Yeah. But in this case, the media made him the story. What the fuck was the guy supposed to do? Not say anything? No, this is the problem that you have in today's world. When someone asks a question and you answer it to the press, then the press says, why don't you shut up? <laughs> but there is a thing that the caddy stays in the background and doesn't talk. But And then I'm, I'm watching ESPN and they're acting like, just carry the bag and shout out the... What? But, if this was like, they're acting like it was a kid, right? Yeah. You know, like that thing when you were a kid where everyone tried to caddy and then you'd hear from the big guy, I take two bags. You know, like, well, give me two. And then around the third hole, you have to tell these older men, I quit. I don't want to be a caddy. Hot out. It's hot out here. And you guys stink. And if you played on any decent thing, I'd be back now with my change. Huh. So, but the problem is this. He gets 10% of the money, yes. right? That's nice. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think an NFL football coach is getting 10% of what's coming in? It seems like caddying, on one hand, it's treated like, well, you're just carrying the bag. On the other hand, 10%. I mean, he made nine fucking million dollars. That's a fucking agent. Yeah. <laughs> you are uh, a little closer to being the fucking coach here. But I've never known any other sport where somebody would say, you know what? Angela Dundee ought to shut his fucking pie hole. Ali's the guy who won, yeah. not him. You know, cornermen and fucking managers and shit get a lot of credit in a lot of different sports. Why is golf so different? Now, if you understand this and you can explain it to me, I'm all open to hear. You can call 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Well, don't say it like it's this thing that sticks out and it's away from everyone else. Oh. But I need somebody who understands the game of golf on the professional level to say why is it such a horrible thing that this guy did a little victory lap for himself i feel like he was perfectly justified what's, Come on. what's really fucked up is they spent the entire week before building him up as like oh my god tiger and his caddy split he's the best caddy ever and then the minute he speaks up they just shit all over him yeah almost to a man out there in the sports world right almost to a uh, a person, they acted like this guy has broken the etiquette of golf and he's weak in golf and perhaps this is it. Golf is now going to go from a triple A rating to a uh, 2A plus. Oh no, I gotta sell my Nike stock. Yes, get out of everything. <laughs> sell all your stocks Titleist, I guess. and get gold blocks. Alright. I mean, he was a little bit of a dick about it saying this win with Adam Scott was the best win he'd ever had. He sounded a little bit like a spurned lover but that's how they that's how they played the story all week they made it like a like a celebrity breakup between well, wouldn't him and you Tiger expect Woods. this kind of same talk out of the ryan brothers which we get almost on a daily basis <laughs> that they're saying you know somebody is the best and we've proven something yeah i mean it's not that in in the terms of sport you don't mind a coach smack talking a little bit um all right dr tom here's dr tom you're on the run fest show Do we got you, sir? Why don't I have Dr. Tom? I'm going to put him back on. But I don't hear anything out of these phones. But there's that one. 
right, let me just go around and try here. Again. Dr. Tom. Once, twice. I don't have you, sir. Let me try Chris. Chris, what do you got for me? Basically, Ronnie, you know, he said, he said that this is the, the greatest week, week of golf that he's ever been involved in. And he was, he was sort of pissing at Tiger. And he did. He, he carried a great round. The problem is, just like, take boxing. There's no, there's no more great boxers than Tyson, really, or Holyfield. So the, the boxing commentators have nothing to talk about. Hence, they're not relevant. If you take Tiger Woods out, you lose sponsorships, viewerships, revenue, yada, yada, yada. So these guys don't want to be pissing Tiger off. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that the rest of the field needs to lay down for him. <laughs> it isn't like, and and this, you know, when you have something, uh, and obviously Tiger has done a lot for the sport over yeah. the years, but it doesn't mean that everybody else shouldn't be competitive against him. Now, the fact is, he did not win this tournament. Oh, no. The other side was ecstatic about it. That seems to be sport. Um, let's go over here to uh, Jason in Ohio. You're on manifest. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. I, I watched the uh, I watched the tournament. Uh, I used to be a, like a club professional, and what they did was they talked to Adam Scott after he won, and then David Parody, who interviewed Adam Scott, held Steve Williams there, then stuck the microphone in his face. And I think what it is is Tiger's image is, is so tarnished that they were like, you know, he had a chance to give him a, a last fuck you because, you know, the way he was fired. You know, he, he, he was Tiger's guy. He, he hit a lot of stuff that you know, Tiger was doing. You know, he beat up fans that were, you know, when Tiger was at his peak. And forget, when Steve Williams was running with Tiger at his peak, Tiger, uh, Steve Williams actually could have qualified for the Tour Championship. He made so much money from off of Tiger. He, he, would, he was like in the top 50 money leaders on tour. Right, but I'm sure this guy feels like I'm a competitive guy, too. When, yeah. I'm, when I'm on Tiger's team, I work hard for him. And when I'm uh, on the other team, I work hard against Why Tiger. Why wouldn't he? It just seems like sport. Yeah. <laughs> See, but Steve Williams has always been a chatty Cathy. When the Tiger Woods affairs were going on, when all that kept coming out, Steve Williams made a big public statement of, I didn't know any of this was going on, and if I knew he was cheating on his wife, I would have told her about it. Right. So, I mean, he just... I think this but, goes back to that, where this guy speaks out of place. Why is that out of place? Why he's an American, he making whatever statement that is true to him, doesn't have to be true to you or me or anybody else. He is probably the most successful caddy uh, out there today. Fuck yeah. Um, people want to talk to him. Why can't he give his opinions, even if it's an opinion that Tiger doesn't agree with or you? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing. The point isn't so much uh, what he fucking said, but that he said anything that seems to be the problem. Uh, let's go over to Gary. You're on my face. Hey, guys. What's going on? Yeah. If uh, Stevie hated Tiger so much and the millions and millions and millions that he made him over the course of caddying for him, why didn't he just walk away at some point? Because he wanted the money. You know, he, he's basically you know talking out of his ass right now. How is that talking out of your ass? Don't you think a lot of people don't say fucking things publicly about the place that they work because they want the money? Oh, <laughs> when, when did this I, become I such an awful thing? <laughs> it's you pretty know, commonplace. When you, when you worked for the fucking Yankees because the guys hated fucking Steinbrenner, they should have asked to be traded? That doesn't even make a lot of sense. Fuck no, they're in New York. Making bank. It doesn't make that fucking much sense. The point is, 
if these guys aren't supposed to talk, then part of this deal should be the reporters should not be asking them any questions. No press. Once they fucking ask them questions, wouldn't it be up for the guy to do what the fuck he wants to do? David, you're on the Ronnie Fez show. Hey, what's going on, Ronnie B? Yeah. Hey, uh, what the the player needs to do for the caddy is just tell him, hey, if you speak to the to the uh, to the media, you're not caddying for me anymore. You're not getting any money. So that's what the players are going to have to do. They're going to have to tell their caddies, hey, no press, no nothing. Let me tell you something though. If the guy is the best fucking caddy out there, he's going to keep caddying. Somebody's going to want him. Somebody whose game he can improve. And again. Teams aren't happy with what T.O. says most of the time, and fucking T.O. always gets a new gig. Hell yeah. Is this If this is not a skilled position, then just go down to any fucking course, grab a couple of kids who will carry your fucking bag for you, and yell out, that looks like 150 yards. But if it's a skilled position, and you need that guy, and he gets asked the question... I don't think you're going to be able to do uh, a lot about it. Again, I'm saying that is about somebody who only through a fucking glance pays attention to golf. I'm only pointing out the fact that it's just really fucking funny to me that you hear, we asked this guy a question, and now he should shut his fucking pie hole. All right, here's uh, Kindbound. You're on the run of face show. Hey, boys. Love you. Hey, Stevie is obviously a great caddy. He he did great with Tiger, and Adam Scott probably would not have won without him. He's a good caddy, but what a fucking pussy to bitch and moan after all that money he made to say, oh, after I've wasted the last two years of my life. Well, the 12 before that made you a fucking millionaire, you faggot. Shut up. And by the way, I hate Sam. Get Sam's faggot ass off the radio. All right, first of all, I'm not in charge of his ass. And second of all... I'd rather maybe Sa- not talk to this man. Sam has his own show. You can call him anytime. Obviously, the kid's doing gangbusters. He's the buzz of the halls here. He's all over the place. Yeah. Um, but to get back to the point, I understand that there's some kind of tradition here, but I'm also curious why. Uh, here's Stan. You're on the run of Fest show. Hey, I'm a caddy out here in Tampa at Landsbrook, and Williams really broke the caddy code of ethics, man. My golfer, we he dresses like a Nazi. Sometimes the Klan comes over. We engage in all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't ever talk about it, you know? I'm sworn to secrecy. All right, but see, here's the thing. The guy, like, I don't think he's giving away anything on Tiger. He's just basically saying we we beat Tiger. Yeah, that's And I'm... that doesn't seem like it's unsportsmanlike to me. You know, we have a thing of sports. When you win, you're happy. Flaunted. No, I didn't see any statement of, hey, Tiger blows, and Tiger's never going to win again. <laughs> We're so much better than Tiger. That guy's shit. Um, here is, um, let's go over to the, uh, let's go over to Mario. Mario, you're on Manifest. Hey, you're on his best. Look, it's simple as this. Stevie Williams considered himself Tiger's friend. After all, Tiger came to his wedding and everything else. They had a lot in common. They had a tight bond. Stevie Williams found out the hard way. Tiger has no friends, never does, and just uses people, man. And that's why he's hurt. Simple as that. All right, so the point being this. He and Tiger had this close relationship for a dozen years. Everything was going great. Oh, yeah. It fucked up. He's not with, you know, maybe Tiger got too close with him. And that also happens. 
But the fact of the matter is, I don't hear the guy saying anything other than we won, this was the best time ever, and everyone's turning that into an anti-Tiger thing. And another reason is, why can't you be anti-Tiger? If you're on the other fucking team. Yeah. You don't see the Jets loving the Patriots. They sit around and rip the Patriots all the time, and you turn on ESPN, and everybody's like, this is great. You know, this is the kind of stuff that this sports needs by the time these guys start playing in week five, and everybody's excited <laughs> about it. But in golf, it has this, a different set of rules. I'm just curious why. Fuck Does it club. go back to it's the gentleman's sports? You know? I don't take any fucking stock in that bullshit. And I don't think that that makes Steve Williams gay as the one person. And he used a, a cruder word for it. F.S. Well, he did say F.S. Um, here is Thomas. Thomas Sherman Fez. Yeah, I had actually heard that they were very close, Tiger and Steve. And uh, after the divorce, their chick stayed friends. Tiger didn't like it, fired his ass. So it really, the reason why he got uh, fired is because he felt like, oh, I let this guy get too close, and now I broke up with my wife, and his chick still friends with my ex-wife uh, and yeah, yeah all that shit gets to be dicey. a little naughty but that, you know? that, that's not that this isn't a sports story anymore it seems like almost gossip like the main story was tiger didn't follow uh, fire him the right way and tiger said they just should take a break like it I, sounds like a relationship how did how yes. did uh tiger fa fire him the wrong way well S steve williams claims that he lives he lives in new zealand he claims that he came all the way over here and uh you know, Tiger hadn't told him he wasn't playing in the U.S. Open, so then he caddied for Adam Scott just that week, and that pissed Tiger off. So then Steve said he was fired via phone call, where Tiger said, no, 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 we met in person, and I fired him. And Steve said, not true. So it's turned into this whole he said, he said type thing about the whole relationship, especially when you say, yeah, I told Steve we needed to take a break. All right, sounds like two F-asses then. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. but, but the thing is, too, is like just because you have an open week, I don't think I would start fucking caddying for somebody else unless I called Tiger first. And I'd be like, dude, you mind if I carry the bags for this guy? It's a one-week-only thing. It's your call. I flew from New Zealand, Tiger. Because you're my money. <laughs> Come Look on. at me. Come on, Daddy. You are money <laughs> to me. He claims that he did, but I think Tiger gave him one of those, yeah, I guess it's fine. But I was pissed off I think when so. he said it. Oh, Tiger. All right, this really is gossip and silly stuff. Speak your mind. So re it really doesn't have to do anything other than the sports reporters trying to keep this heat up. Yeah, I mean, Tiger is golf. Like, I, I personally don't give a shit about golf if Tiger or some facet of Tiger isn't involved. So this is a big deal. Well, and John this Daly. Is, I like John, John Daly. John Daly is... <laughs> just for how he dresses. Uh, is he even still playing? I think, I don't know. He comes in and out every yeah. once in a while. Yeah. I like how he smokes. Drinks a lot of Diet Coke. That's his thing. Smoking and Diet Coke. Um... Let's go over to uh, John. John, you're on Hey, yeah, I was, uh, I was just going to say that uh, Tiger Woods is a really polarizing figure in the golf world, so if you follow golf, he's, uh, you either love him or you, or you hate him. And if, you know, the guys that are hating him, hating on Tiger right now... Well, love if, if I love the sport of golf and I was a big fan, I would definitely hate the people who say, I don't really care about golf, I would only I only go there for Tiger. And the only reason that people, uh, like what Zito was saying, it's like, again, 
it was the marketing that brought him in. The hey, I'll watch Tiger. I know him from the commercials. And then when yeah. he wins, I'll be able to bring it up tomorrow. It has nothing to do with it. So if I was a a, a real fan of golf, I would probably hate Tiger for that reason. Here's Tom in New York. You're on Fez. Hey, I got a question. Uh, I don't follow golf at all. To me, it's like George Carlin used to say: it's a racist, elitist sport. So can somebody? By the way, he was joking. Well, I don't think so. He said we should pave well, all he's, the... Uh... He's a comedian, so okay. you have right. to know that he's joking. Well, in any event, my question is, what the fuck is so important about a caddy? Does he, isn't he just a guy who carries around a bag with some clubs? What does he it, do if, that's so important? Yeah, again, you that's like saying anyone could coach a fucking football yeah. team. What do you do? You fucking set up the practices and tell everybody to work out... These are professionals. But we know enough to know that a coach is important everywhere. Uh, in baseball, you might know the, not, know the name of the fucking batting coach, but I guarantee you A-Rod knows his name and is working with him on a constant fucking yeah, basis. Yeah, every, every single day he's the guy. So these kind of things are just, you know, to you, it's great that you quoted George Carlin. That's <laughs> perfect, and that we should pave over the golf courses and put fucking homeless people there. Again, that's because you're not a fan of the sport. You could turn around and say every sport is stupid. It is. We know that. We could live without him. We just choose not to. I enjoy it. It brings us pleasure. Yeah. And every tiny bit of that fucking sport affects what's going to happen in the end. So real fans of that sport start to pay attention to every particular move. If it was just a guy carrying the bags around... He ain't getting 10% of the money. Fuck no. Why would you do that? Take a throw that guy 50 bucks an hour. Yeah. Be the end of all the fucking problems. Done. Or in every new town, you'd just grab a big kid. <laughs> hey, you look strong. Why don't you carry my bags for me? Um, here's James, Canada. You're on the Run of Fish show. How you doing today, boys? We're, we're groovy. Um, the reason why Stevie said this was the best week of his life is he was allowed to caddy. Uh, on the 17th hole... Adam Scott went for a club. Stevie said, no, take this one. On the 18th hole, same thing. He wanted to play it safe. If that had happened when Stevie was playing for Tiger Woods, Tiger would have beat him over the head with the fucking club. He, all he did for Tiger was carry the bags. But this time, 33 years of experience, he was allowed to caddy for, for Adam Scott, and that's why he said it was the greatest week of his life. The other thing was he, uh, Tiger said he was allowed to go with Adam Scott, but Adam Scott is sponsored by Titleist and... Tiger is sponsored by Nike, and the management group says, oh, no, you don't. All right, so this got a little more dicey than... Well, actually, Steve Williams was the only caddy I've ever heard of that actually had his own endorsement deals. He would yeah, wear also, shorts from Valvoline, if I remember correctly. he owns his own race car team in, in uh, New Zealand, and he's a professional race car driver, which is why he has the Valvoline thing. Don't forget, he made a lot of money uh, running race cars in New Zealand. All right, so the guy... He's basically just saying, I'm happy with my situation now. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Why and shouldn't he be able to uh, uh, say that? Why can't he just fucking say, I'm happy with where I'm at? Justin, you're on Fez. Yeah, Ronnie, do you think that Tiger Woods is now the new uh, Shooter McGavin? I'll, I'll tell you this, Portland just gets prettier and prettier every time I come here. Must be something in the water. But if this is Shooter's Tournament, 
Uh, the greatest golfer who ever lived. Oh, he's the shit. And I ended up hating Adam Sandler in that movie. Because <laughs> it was really Shooter's fucking year. Shooter fucking ran that thing. He deserved that goddamn jacket. And that whole fiasco at the end. Let me just tell you this, though. Shooter never should have sent him out there when the fucking sprinklers went off. <laughs> that, I know it's like rookie hazing. He's pushing buttons. And that yeah. guy was a fucking loose cannon. <laughs> yeah, he was. I do like that he hired someone to take him out. <laughs> <laughs> a guy who could barely walk. Yeah. I mean, I know he's tall, but I don't think he has the athletic skill you need here. Very slow. All right, it is the Ron and Fez show. Um, let's go over to Josh. Josh, or Ron and Fez. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about this uh, so-called gentleman sport, but does the tradition of the caddy not being able to speak, does that stem from the caddies you know, starting out as the black slave Carrying the boys, carrying the bag, and the boy is not to speak. I don't know. I don't know enough about that. I don't know uh, a thing where all caddies black at one time. In my neighborhood, there were just uh, white kids who lived right? close to the. All I know is back advance. What happened there? I don't know if I even watched that one. He like helped Matt Damon and then just disappeared into the night on the golf course. Magic Blackman. Mm-hmm. We love Magic Blackman in movies. Is he a ghost? Angel, or maybe he was God. Maybe he was something from beyond. Why would God care so I, much about God? Fez is back with the hat today. If you're trying yeah. to fucking keep it, one day the hat's on, one day it's off, we never know. Hat day. Got it. Uh, but today is the hat day. Hattie. Uh, here is, uh, I'm going to guess this is a real name, but it's Bim. Bim. Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering, uh, a lot of people were saying that Tiger should have, you know, caddies get 10% of the winnings. Some people were saying Tiger should have paid him for the two years he was going through all his shit. I don't uh, I think that he made Steve enough money to put him through, you know, for a while. Um, again, the whole you've made enough money, no one ever says that to Keith Richards. <laughs> you know, like, hey, you've made a lot of money playing guitar, so for the next two years, don't go up. When, when the Stones aren't touring... And Keith gets itchy. He puts together the winos. Yeah, you know, like it isn't always just about money. The guy's a caddy. He's great at it. It's something that he wants to do. It's a skill that he wants to show off in the world. Fuck yeah! Even beyond the money. Yeah. But everybody gets paid. I love it when we all act like we should be in charge of the other people's wallets. <laughs> well, here's what he should make. Yeah. That's what he deserves. Uh, Hicks, what's going on in your uh, wheelhouse today? What's happening at Hicks' corner? In Hicks's corner, have you heard about the Florida stripper going on a Mickey Mallory fucking crime spree? This is all news <laughs> to me. First of all, all you had to do was say Florida stripper, and I'm ready to stop there. Okay. Because I'm looking at the rest of the country. Florida whips your ass when it comes to fucking peelers. It's not even close. Yes, Vegas, you, and I'm talking to Los Angeles. The Florida peelers are the hottest. Outside of, and this is going to shock you, okay. Canada. That's why I've always heard Canada was Canada the, has got the most beautiful women. No one knows why, but the Canadian strippers are heads and shoulders above ours. Damn. Uh, all right, so Mickey and Mallory, she went? Basically, she's um, she stripped at Cheaters in Florida, at Cocoa Beach. Mm -hmm. And then so she, her and her half-brother and her brother got a bunch of AK-47s. Shot up a cop car that was chasing them, drove to Georgia, robbed the bank with the AK-47s, or on the run right now. Why am I not looking at a picture of this woman? Why are we all just standing around? 
she was in the post today. And she's just, and her, so it's the half brother, the brother, her, they're all fucked in the head, they all have a bunch of fucking guns, and they send a text to the fucking, their mother, saying, there's a time for all of us to die. And that was the only thing that they sent to the mom. They haven't killed anyone yet, as far as I know, but they're just robbing banks. Now, <laughs> the bro so it's her brother, mm -hmm. a half brother. Yeah. Uh, let's get a picture of her. Let's blow it up as big as possible. There she is. All right, I've seen better. She doesn't represent the Florida talent as much as uh, I'd like her to. But to me, this just sounds like one wacky fucking family. And I've said it before, white people are just going crazy in this country. Yeah, it, it's, it's fuck. And they found, they, they busted up in their house and they found who it was. And they found uh, underground caves filled with guns as well. So they're crazy militants. Looking to just rob banks. What? Yeah. They where, found arm cash. Where are you going to find an underground cave in fucking Florida? A cave in Florida would be filled with water. <laughs> Apparently that they fucking dug out a fucking cave or some spot to fucking hold their guns. It's a crazy fucking story. It's totally insane. This is bizarre. I do like the Mickey and Mallory aspect of it, uh, but they need to be stopped. I think she's definitely having sex with either one, at least a half brother or both of them. Now, so. is this just on your own? This is on my own intuition. Fucking, um, sickness. Yeah, without a doubt. If they're already going, you know, around bangs into the world, shit. Also, the what well, the um, one of the brothers is on probation for taking, sending four hundred sexually explicit text messages to an eleven-year-old girl. He been on MySpace. So these are the people who still use MySpace. There's still MySpace in it. <laughs> They're that's, stuck in the past. That's just fucking madness. Yeah. Um, now, this was in Cocoa Beach? Yeah. See, see, that's where, yeah, that's where she was stripping. So I was in a titty bar in Cocoa Beach <laughs> one night. And when I say night, I mean late, late, late. Mm-hmm. Morning. Early morning. Yeah. And this is probably 90s. The okay. 90s. Who walks in? Couple of broads on his arms. All right. Mr. Danny Terrio, of the guy who supposedly thought John Travolta to dance and then had a dance show on TV. Oh, hell yeah. Now, let's just say this. He suffered from the same disease as the rest of us. Okay. So, bop, 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 uh, getting yeah, weird. Yeah. I mean, it's really fucking dark and strange. Mm -hmm. And then he's doing stuff like this. He's just fucking. Merv Griffin is an asshole. <laughs> if I even see that fucking jerk off what? on the street. And I'm just like, you know what? Maybe I'm moving into a problem fucking area because I feel like I'm here with Denny Terrio and he's bad mouthing Merv Griffin to me. Oh, wait, that is happening. <laughs> oh, my and God. He's like this. Yeah. Travolta couldn't fucking dance a step before I saw him. <laughs> Put together a new show. Oh. It's a salute to the 70s. I'm just like, all right, as soon as this is fucking done, I'm out of here. I'm going to fucking wait till we get through this. Because <laughs> I'm up. not a fucking quitter. No. And then I'm fucking rolling out of here. That's a weird scene. <sighs> Sounds kind of fun at the time, though, maybe. Well, I don't think so. No. I, wasn't, I wasn't happy. <laughs> okay. You know, I was doing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I wasn't happy. Um, Bill, you're on the Run Face show. Hey, Ryan B., how are you? Got a question for Fez. I'm going to have a Tampa for two nights. Any good restaurants and or strip joints to go to? Thank you. Well, there's nothing but. 
uh, well, restaurants, you're on your own, burnt steakhouse, and the rest of the time, just eat wings. Mm. Uh, but there is a single club, strip club, in Tampa that is absolutely legendary, right across Fezzi from Tampa Stadium. Mons Venus. Now, the Mons is, to strip clubs, what a hustler is to Time Magazine. Wow. I mean, it is beyond comfortable. And it's been a long time since I've been there. Mm -hmm. But no liquor. You can't have liquor because of the shit that goes on there. Oh, Jesus. And I was there nights that the fucking... There was at least as much action in the fucking parking lot as there was inside. What the fuck? But it was one of these places where the girl would actually have to get off the stage and put quarters into the jukebox (laughs) for herself and go back off. Grimy. And... One time, and I, I wish I was making this story up, pregnant dancer, fucking a lot of talent, late in the pregnancy, oh. fairly sure water broke. Uh, fairly sure the water broke there. That's that's not good. Shouldn't, shouldn't be in the last It's a legendary that. place, though. They name-dropped it in the first season of Beast Bounded Down. I remember when, as soon as I heard that, I was like, holy shit. All right, I'll, I know that I was also in there one time, where I, and I don't want to give away things, right. but a... Swivel-headed, drunken, I'll just say his name rhymes with Perry Hadshaw. was fucking in there, not knowing where the fuck he was. Wow. He was that fuck. He was just fucking hanging out in there? I don't know who it was. I I don't fucking like to speak out of school. I've already dropped uh, Denny Terrio's fucking name once. Hope this doesn't get back to him. What are you going to do? You know what? I'm like fucking Stevie Williams. I'm just fucking talking. Right, that's the Mons dressing room. Yeah. As of right now, is that real time? Yeah, I believe that's currently going on in the Mons dressing room. Now, the Mons, and again, it's been a long time since I've been down there, was full nude. Is it still that way? I think, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Nice. Florida's just fucking crazy. Florida should be the capital of crazy white people town. Every girl in the dressing room right now looks like Michael P.S. Hayes. I disagree. There's a lot of attractive women in that dressing room just fucking getting themselves primped and proper and ready to rock out there for a noontime crowd. It looks much better than when I was there. I mean, seriously, that was the darkest fucking place ever. And they never had as many girls as in the dressing room there. I mean, you would see another girl pop up seconds after (laughs) she had walked up. Back on the fucking stage. Yeah, it was a a short fucking staff. Hey, more tips. Fuck it. Um, hold on. Thomas has got some info for us. Thomas. Yeah, the uh, Florida siblings, the uh, Mickey and Mallory crime family, they don't have an underground cave. They created their own bunker. They dug it out under the house and put together two shipping containers. See, any time that I've ever put a shovel into the ground in fucking Florida, the ocean would pop up. <laughs> I mean, you don't. Yeah, the, the, there's no such thing as a Florida basement. How's it, it get just, built? Yeah, huh? How's it get built? You're, you're kind of above ground with everything. Okay. All right. I guess Even so. like a lot of the fucking houses, the first floor is on the second floor. Oh, all right. You know, you got to yeah. go up the steps to go into the first floor. That's fucked up. Well, what do you mean fucked up? It's just the way it is. Well, let's get some sellers up in this motherfucker. <laughs> you're below sea level in most of the fucking state. You just you're asking for an indoor pool. Um, here's Rick in Florida with an update. Go ahead, Rick. <laughs> Ronnie. Hey, it sounds like you were there with this last year. We spent a lost weekend at uh, 
in Tampa, mostly at Mons. Uh, definitely pregnant, uh, hot, pregnant uh, strippers. And it's the only time I've ever been, it was a big group, and a couple of the docs were with us, bought a couple of the girls to come home. It's all, it's exactly as it was in the 90s as you were there. Nothing has changed, not a single thing. It was. Uh, you could get them to leave with you. That's great. And, like, you know how they put, like, a, a dollar in the fucking girls' thing? Yeah. All the dollar bills would be rolled up. Holy shit. <laughs> Couldn't even fucking take the time to unroll it? Why? I guess. It's still the same thing, I guess. Time is money, my friend. True. Time is money. Good point. Um, that whole thing of, like, I mean, the whole fucking stripping world is so fucking crazy anyway. Yeah. I mean, some people do it, level out, know how to properly make money, but most of those girls, as quick as the money's coming in, it's going out. Yeah. And what always kills you is they all have some crazy, whacked-out biker boyfriend who fucking... Weird controlling. Yeah, like... But also fucking, jealous and psychotic. Yeah. Well, that's the weird shit going on right now on that celebrity rehab. The Long Island Lolita's fucking husband is like, no one disrespects my wife, Ugh. and no one fucking, you know, ever does anything. I'll fucking kill you where you stand. Ugh. And Dr. Drew's going, you know, she doesn't want to do porn, and you keep setting her up. You're acting like you respect her, but she's crying because she's forced into porn. Jesus Christ. And it's like this fucking weird thing that they get themselves into like they're acting like it's my body and i want to be free with it but there's always somebody else making the decisions yeah just someone forcing them into doing I, craziness and then what always kills you is like with strippers they'll always have these like nice guy groupies that they'll just be fucking draining right, money out yeah. of but they're never in any of those guys no no they because they won't tell them what to do and yeah they them. won't fucking run the show Right. Rent, though. Ron and Fez show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Now, Zito, you seem to have these these uh, these floors kind of fucking wired here. You know what's going on. Yes. So I saw Miss Jane Fonda as I come in today, right? Mm -hmm. And she's being interviewed by Leslie Stahl. Leslie Stahl has a show here? I, I'd never seen the name of this show on the booking sheet before. It looked like, honestly, it looked like Wow One Wow. I, I don't know what it the actual name was. It looked like some weird, it was like W-O-W-W-W. -W -W. It's some weird show I've never heard of. I will look into it and find out what it is. I'm just kind of curious about it because, like, I'm like, wow, that's fucking pretty cool. Wait, where does Leslie Stahl get his show? Yeah, what channel is she on? And I wish, like, if they weren't using the thing, I wish that we had another fucking room that was set up to look better for that, you know? I mean, they, I don't want to see those two ladies up on these high fucking radio chairs. We just should have a nice fucking studio that isn't the fishbowl, mm -hmm. but that a couple of a people... Performance fucking planks to you like a right. like a talk studio like right a, that they could go into and it would look kind of classy for them. All right, it's Wow Zero Wow. Yeah, it's on Stars, Sirius XM Stars. No, that's her show, Leslie's show. It's the same show. Looks like it's a rotating rotating cast of women. It just it just so focuses on most powerful women in media as well. Now, are any other uh, any of the other hosts fucking? As big as a, a hammer as Leslie Stahl is? Whoopi Goldberg. I've never seen Whoopi in here. 
Liz Smith, Lily Tomlin. Never, I don't think I've ever seen her. These are all big, uh, big names. Candace Bergen. So this is kind of like a series of specials. Looks like it. You yeah. never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it seems that way. Because I'd like to be hanging out with Candace Bergen if we could work that out. Yeah. And it just started late last month, at the end of June. Oh, wow, oh, wow, means the women on the web. Well, that's figured out now. It's kind of crazy. And why isn't my friend Marlo Thomas part of that? She should be in on that. She oh, fits she is, perfectly. There, there she is, yeah, yeah Marlo oh, Thomas. Oh, she is part right of there. that. Yeah, right there, yeah. There's no wrong thing. Wow, oh, wow, it's just taking us by storm here. <laughs> Fezzi, have we gotten into your uh, wheelhouse yet today? No, we haven't. What's going on with you? Uh, Real Madrid, the soccer team, they have signed a... Real Madrid. Real Mm -hmm. Madrid. They have signed a seven-year-old soccer prodigy out of Argentina named Leo. I need to see Leo, the soccer prodigy. So, seven years old, how can they possibly know... What he's able to do to go ahead and lock him into a contract? Well, they're allowed to lock in the contracts. Like most, like Beckham got signed by like the time he was like he was like thirteen or fourteen. They do that uh, in soccer. So they still go to school, or they just train? Yeah, you go to school right. and you kind of train with them. Okay. And they have like it would be almost like um, some of the. Like Pony League baseball teams, I okay. guess, would be controlled by the big league, and they just kind of move the person up the ranks. Nice. So, I mean, that would, to me, it sounds like the Yankees scouting T-ball teams. They do. They do. Um, basketball in particular. There are tons of people whose job is to track how good 11, 12, and 13-year-old basketball players are. Because you can sign them at 18. So the thing about football is you know that person has to go through college and then they have the whole stupid draft and everything. But any of the teams that don't, I guarantee you, if there's some kid 13 years old who looks like a prodigy, every fucking major league team knows who this guy is. Because five years away is not that fucking far away. Mm -mm, Not at all. You know, for your chance to sign him. So parents of uh, kids playing sports in these countries have every right to be nuts and act like, oh, my kid has what it takes to be a pro because they could get signed up that actual day. Well, they don't get... It's just a different system than what we have. You get... you know, I think hockey in Canada has something like that, too, where the pro scouts aren't as far away from things as, as they are kept in this. But it's not like the kid got assigned at seven and he's making $200,000 a year. Right, that's what I was... I couldn't find it. I was trying to see if, like, he got money up front. Yeah, know, I don't think it's the same kind of thing. As a guarantee. As and then what happens if, you know, he become, you know he turns 13 and decides he wants to be an architect? But don't, don't act like we don't have seven-year-old professional actors in this country. What happens if that guy decides he wants to become a professional architect? They do. Right, yeah, but I mean, they're already able to apply their trade on say, a professional level. Say, this kid isn't able to go into a game yet. Right, I get that, but they've but they've got the fucking what they're saying is you're signed up with us now. 
how is that that different than what we do with high schools? We have high schools here that will move people across the country. They have moved families across the country to play fucking high school football. Or the family will move across the country because they want their kid to play in the correct school that will lead him to the correct college and they want him to have the correct training. It's not that different here. It's just we kind of have middlemen set up. Yeah. It's really weird to me that if you are 19, you can't sign a professional football contract. That's bullshit. If you can play, because you're old enough to make your adult decision. Well, you have to have a facade of going to college and trying to get an education, right? I mean, is that pretty much the gist of it? Yeah. <laughs> it's such a fucking, it's a fucking joke. Fuck college football. And then what is the joke always? What do they say that the guy took courses in? He's a football player. Oh, like um, sports management or something like that. The cliche is what? Basket weaving, right? Oh, right. Here's what always makes me laugh. Act like, oh, he took a course in basket weaving. Let's see you try to weave a basket. It's not the fucking easiest thing in the world. If one of these kids could ever weave a basket, I'd be impressed. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we do have professional kids in this country. And we always have. If you look at the so many of the kids that are big stars today, they were signed to Disney when they were little kids. Yeah, all the, all the fuck. I mean, the, that there was one gener one round of the fucking Mickey Mouse Club. That was all. All of them went on. The They're fucking, all superstars. Yeah, but even like you see Jack Black now. If you go online, you see him doing commercials when yeah. he's like ten, eleven years old. Yeah, he's been a professional performer his whole life. Yeah, set it up from when he was a child. As a matter of fact, it's very weird to find people who aren't these days. And no one ever comes out of it out of nowhere. Like, I was a fucking waiter. Here's the guy who really fucking came out of nowhere, Kenny Powers. That's true. That was a guy I never saw fucking coming. No, never fucking... I think he had, like, he's had, like, fucking tiny bit roles in a bunch of those little movies. Right. But then that foot fist way came out, and um, it was on. Here's uh, Brian. You're on Renfis. Hey, what's going on, Ronnie? Freddie Adu uh, was offered a contract by Inter Milan at the age of eight... And he turned it down, unfortunately. He should have taken it. Um, Freddie Adu, everybody was acting like he was a big bust, but then the last time that the USA was playing, he looked fucking great in that tournament. We got a friend tomorrow with, night. Yeah, we got tomorrow night against Mexico. Please, that's, that's fucking nerve-wracking. We got a friendly against Mexico. Um, let's go over to uh, Nate. You're on the Manifest Show. Hey, uh, one of the real reasons this kid got signed is his dad's like a, a coach or like an offensive, you know, mind for a team in Argentina, and they're sending him and his brother over there for schooling so they can keep him away from the banditos, you know, keep him safe. I don't know if they're banditos in Argentina, but racism, there's a place for racism, sure. Uh, Bobby in Texas. No, you just have to look at the U.S. gymnastics team. They're out there scouting little kids all the time. and all their It's a really good uh, point. Look at the U.S. gymnastics. The, if, by the time those kids are like 13, 14 now, they're spent, you know? They're veterans. And everyone's going, well, look, you get an Olympic career. One of them does. Yeah. The, the amount of little girls doing gymnastics now is crazy. They all want that Olympic gold. Every Why, though? I, I guess it's... I think they just, all just have too much energy. You got to keep them hanging upside down and jumping and tumbling. Burn them out. Yeah, just so you can get their asses to sleep at night. Doesn't that fuck up their bodies too? Like they don't develop. Well, they get those weird hard bodies that you know you just don't see on a you know twelve year old kid. 
Stop talking dirty, seriously. Yeah. You don't use the word hard body about a child. Um, well, you gotta, you know, you gotta be muscular to be able to pull that off. Yeah. I don't see Hicks fucking doing backflips. Oh, fuck that shit. None of that. Have not. you even attempted? I'd fucking say, I'd break my neck. I fucking tripped and busted my ass in the lobby. How am I going to do a fucking backflip? You still talked about for that. Great. And the only thing is, too bad it wasn't Fez because we really, we never would have <laughs> shut up about it. But you went down in front of everybody. Oh, yeah. In front of an entire unmasked audience. I almost fucking fell a couple more times. The after funny that. thing is, is, Hicks is my only hustler. Where everyone else is freezing, Hicks goes into a dead run after it. You run towards the monster. You don't run away from it. Um, look who it is. Big Scram Daddy. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Um, in Formula One, they did this uh, a couple of years back. They had uh, Lewis Hamilton. They signed him when he was like racing go-karts at 12 or 13. And then they brought him up through the ranks all the way, and then he was a uh, world champion in two years after he uh, came into the, in, you know, the professional. But but that's the same kind of sport. I mean, you need to start as a little kid with go-karts, right? Absolutely. But then there's, you know, you go up from go-karts to half-size cars to, you know, and they move him up every year into a different division. But, I mean, they basically put him under their wing, and he was almost living at the world headquarters, and they, you know, they bred him to be a racer. See, Fezzi, this is all shocking to you, but we do it in this country. Now, by the way, do you follow Formula One at all, Scram? I do. There is a documentary out I had the chance to see recently called Senna. And I don't know jack shit about Formula One, but this was one of the best documentaries that I ever saw. By the time that it got the arc of the story... I'm like, I can't fucking believe how fucking great this sport is. That's amazing. Why do I know nothing about it? <laughs> I don't know jack shit about it. But And I don't know whether that the... Well, obviously, it's one of those things where the rest of the world, that's what they consider racing. It's basically European, right? Or, or I guess European, it's Japan, oh, wow. South America. You know, like soccer, it's everywhere but here. Okay. And the difference is, I mean, I don't know if you could call that Formula One car a car. It's something. Robotic. It's a vehicle of some kind. But at least like NASCAR looks like a car yeah. that you're driving around. But it's a whole different way of being. Like where NASCAR just seems so much more brutish and, you know, big and thick. These are like these tiny little and they're swerving back and forth Jesus. and they race through cities. That's that's crazy. And they race through beautiful cities too, you yeah, know. Old, old and they go two hundred and some miles an hour and it's fucking, it's a crazy sport, but it's kind of gorgeous in its own way. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, Scram, you got to check this out. Senna's the yeah. name of it. I'm yeah, he was, um, he was the last, the only racer in recent history to die um, on the track. Well, I'm so glad that I didn't talk to you before I saw this. <laughs> because that came as a shock to me. <laughs> this is how little I know about the I sport. I didn't know it was Senna. Uh, but the guy, he was like, it was like a modern knight. Or something, you know what I mean? Like he was so fucking kind of like, and I think he was a Brazilian, but like yeah, a lot smoother Brazilian. than our dudes are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it was a very good. Uh, if you get the chance to uh, see this, now are they are Indy cars Formula One? They are the same type of car, but uh, not exactly the same. No, they're not exactly the same. They're more they use you know more like American engines, and the other ones are more European style. And Indy, up until a couple of years ago, used to only race in oval. So they were open-wheeled and NASCAR, kind of. All right, thanks, Scram. 
Uh, check this out if you can. It's called Senna. Uh, Dan, you're on Run of Fez. Yeah, Ronnie. Formula One races in the United States. They race at uh, Indianapolis every so often. And the cars are a lot different. Where uh, F1 uses Ferraris, McLarens. Uh, Indy usually, I think, they only have Honda-based engines. Well, now, what was the stuff that Paul Newman used to run? Uh, I think he used to race Indy. Yeah, because I saw him... And it was down in, in Florida where they shut down a town and he was uh, racing. And Ronnie, have you ever seen the, uh, the F1 race that they have in Monaco? No. That's amazing. That's incredible. I all mean, right, they I, race really on the seashore, and all you see is these yachts and these just hot people out partying. Yeah, the, the, the chicks that these guys get is amazing. It was IndyCar, yeah. Uh, when I so that's different than Formula One. I guess so. Yeah, they look the same, but it's different. I uh, I went to this race, and my uh, sister-in-law was shooting video, and she so she was down on the street with it. Nice. So I went with her and acted like, oh, I'm holding cable, <laughs> yeah, so I could be on the fucking street, right? That's sick. The and you're like. I'm not even kidding you, like, fucking two feet away. So she's letting Holy me shoot shit. some of it, right? So I'm, like, fucking hanging out there, and I'm getting these shots, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm really fucking like a photographer. This is great. <laughs> but, like, the second that you would put the camera down, it would be suddenly scary. Like, if you're looking through the lens, mm -hmm. it's like you're watching it on TV, and you're like, oh, I'm getting great shots. And if you fucking... To put the camera down, you're like, I'm going to get fucking killed. <laughs> and you fucking run over. <laughs> so the camera, you'd lean in, put the camera down, and you're fucking leaning back. Jesus. But it was a very weird day because I was there when Newman's partner got killed. Oh, he actually had had a heart attack and hit a wall. So he kind of died from the heart attack. But I was there when, like, Newman was getting out of the car. And he oh, looked, no. He looked fucking, you know, so distraught. And, like, yeah. you could have heard a fucking pin drop around him. It was so fucking sad. Oh, that's fucking terrible. I just wanted to share a story. No, Not all my stories are going to be fun and, oh, and great. Paul Newman. Um, Anthony, you're on my face. Yeah, hey, Ronnie, that uh, Indy car, uh, Dave Letterman owns an Indy car, which used to be cart. They used to run all the road courses. Then they split up and did oval tracks. Um, but Dave Letterman has a team with, I think, Ray Hall. And those are the Indy cars that run Honda engines now. Um, F1 sick. That's all the factory back stuff. That's like Mercedes throwing a hundred million dollars into a race car, and that's that's what they do. They race around. But uh, Senna was great. He was he was one of the best drivers they ever had, and and I want to go see that movie. Make sure you're listening later this week. I think Friday. I'm going to try to have uh, the director in. I think oh, he's cool. British. Um, but the coolest thing about this is, and this is why documentary film can be so great, is I didn't know shit about it. Yeah. And was so caught up by the end of it. That's awesome. That's perfect. And then when I found out what happened to him, I was like, oh, shit. It was the fucking funeral that he had. We've never had a funeral in this country outside of like, with this kind of heartbreak, you got to go like JFK or the Jesus Christ, the fucking um, like when the shuttle exploded, uh -huh. the first shuttle, yeah. when everyone cared, not the second one. But that kind of like a, an entire country is mourning just at the shut same down. time. Yeah, and like you just see these people in Brazil that were destroyed, destroyed when this man died. Um, here's uh, JD in Atlanta, Yerman Fez. Yeah, um, I was watching live when that happened, 
I grew up, that was like my everything was Senna and Formula One. And back in 94, I'd been out clubbing all night, got home 7 o'clock in the morning. I sit down and watch it live on Speed Channel, and uh, he gets killed. And, I mean, it was it would be like watching the whole team uh, of any sport that you might like just collapse on the field and die. I mean, it was horrible. Uh, and I guess it just rocked the entire world at the time that it happened. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, he just had... You know, not only was he just a, a great driver, but the charisma. I mean, he was really... Yeah, he was very... Fun. He was extremely charismatic, really great-looking guy, had all the, you know, like the world's attention was being paid on him, and just was this... I mean, the weird thing about it is the concentration that it takes to do this, because you're going 200 miles an hour, but driving through city see, streets. That's fucking crazy. And uh, so the concentration, it, it's never like... Hey, you have a second to just <laughs> no. kind of chill. You, you're at just like this peak concentration all the time. And it, it, they knew it was uh, an incredibly dangerous sport. Uh, so everybody was feeling it at the time. God now, damn. why would a guy like yourself be in Atlanta? How come you're not a NASCAR guy? Well, I just part of the culture I know is around here is NASCAR, but I, um, I've always never really fit in around here, and I just absolutely grew up loving it. Um, I did a little racing when I was young myself. But, yeah, it's going to be playing the 26th here in Atlanta at the Midtown Art Cinema, and uh, it's a one-night showing, so anybody, you know, all over the country, they're doing it for, like, one night. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I hope I'm not giving anything away. I think that ESPN, is this will eventually be a 30 for 30. Nice. But to see yeah, it in the theater was extremely, you know, uh, much more intense experience. I'm sure watching all that race footage must be crazy. Well, by the way, there's this, you got the race footage, but then you've got this world footage because they go, they're in Japan, they're in Brazil, they're in Europe, and then there's like really cool music. I don't know who did the music on this, I'll have to find out. But the whole thing just really works as a film itself. Mm -hmm. So, and nothing in this film takes place in today. You know what I mean? There's not any talking head stuff. There's God, okay. so much stuff shot on this footage. that that Senna is kind of in every shot talking about what he wants to do. That's nice. And you're man. following along. So uh, you get this sense of real time going on. It's really, really um, brilliant documentary film work. It's been amazing. a great year for documentary films. Um, but it's so weird that it's another one of those things that the rest of the world kind of knows more about than us. And, you know, NASCAR is gigantic in this. But the two sports are so different that I could understand why somebody would go, I like NASCAR, not Formula One. Uh -huh. And Formula One, I mean, it, they, the sports are as different as American football and world football to me. And I'm saying that as somebody who doesn't know shit about it. But it just has a total look. And the way the guys carry themselves is different, you know? Um, let's go over to Dan in Virginia. You're on Manifest. Hey, Ron. Uh, two things real quick. Those uh, in-car camera shots in Formula One are just ridiculous. If yeah. you've ever seen them. And, uh, but also, the, they, they got the coolest logo. Have you ever checked out the logo of the F1? No, I don't know anything about it, to tell you the truth. I mean, it just looks cool as shit. It's, uh, it looks like a one at one angle, and if you look at it again, it looks like an F1. It's just, it's just cool. Well, we're getting it up here. All right. That's, All right, guys. It's a logo, I guess. 
It's the one in the middle. Yeah. Okay. It's fast off the back. <laughs> uh, Larry, Kansas City, you're on my defense. Hello, Mr. B. Um, Senna was a hero to Brazil. You only had to say the name Senna, and everybody in that country knew who he was, just like all you had to say was Pele. He was an unbelievable driver, an unbelievable talent, racing for Honda at the time. Um his nephew is a test driver, Bruno Senna, is a test driver for somebody, and he just missed out on a ride to replace Robert Kubica, who was killed. I mean, excuse me, wasn't killed. He was severely injured in a rally crash. Um, the difference between that, what you look at in F1 and IRL and NASCAR, those F1 cars have been scaled back because the technology was so good that the guys became just essentially pointers the car you couldn't spin the car out you couldn't break the tires loose you couldn't lock the tires up the electronics and the and the technology progressed to that point the irl cars are essentially a spec series these the layer chassis a honda engine and everybody uses the same stuff and they're trying to branch away from that for 2013 to branch away to just use a Delaire tub and different engines. But in F1, it's more nationalistic. Mercedes supplies engines to McLaren as well as has their own team. Ferrari has their own team and supplies engines to Toro Rosso. Uh, Renault got away. Well, Renault has their own team. They supply engines to Red Bull. I mean, so there's a little bit of mixing and cross-pollination in F1, but they're essentially standalone teams with different chassis and different design philosophies. It's the absolute epitome of technological innovation in F1, and we hope it just filters down into uh, regular race cars uh, or regular street cars for the rest of us. Yeah, I I picked up some of that from it, and he kind of bring up that it's nationalistic, so it's very political and what oh, they're... Wow. Running there, it's just fucking crazy. Uh, here is uh, Adam. Adam, you're running first. Hey, uh, I have a friend who runs a Le Mans series, uh, which is like the 24-hour stuff. Uh, which, which those races are all different classes, all running at the same time. So if it was like a baseball game, it was like triple A, double A, single A, all playing on the same field at the same time, and uh, and those that's a different class. Um, his, his team is Dyson Racing, and they're actually out of the U.S. in New York. But one of the things that I thought was amazing about F1 is that they are so pristine machines that you can't just start it like a normal car. You have to pump in heated oil so that the oil is at a certain temperature. You can't race the car under 150 miles an hour because the tires aren't warm yet under 150 miles an hour. So everything is delicate and precise. Oh, yeah. I mean, just like I said, to start the machines, you have to pump in oil. All the tires have to have covers on them so that they're heated because you can't just have a cold tire go on the asphalt. So all the tires have to be heated. I mean, it, it literally, is, is, you're mocking up this machine to perform unbelievably. And then the, are, the, are they kind of light, too? I mean, it looks like you could press your well, finger well, through the I'm thing. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're all fiberglass, but the way they're built is that when they get into an accident, you can watch it. They literally just disperse off. They break off so that there's only one little area. There's a cage for the driver. Every part is meant to break away. It's not meant to stay on. So it's all for driver's safety. Like the nose, if you ever watch the front end of a car get hit, they just take two screws, pop them out, and pop a brand new front end in. That's it. You know, these things are all pieced together. Really try to keep, if you're a big fan of this, try to, try to keep an eye out for this 
Uh, I'm going to have the director in on Friday. But the amazing thing is if you get the chance to see it in the theater, because they have the cameras lined up right where the driver is, in the theater you get this feeling oh of just exploding through these cities. And, like, I'm just... Uh, it's fascinating to me, like with no time at all, how does this guy, you know, keep this together? Because when you're watching, let's say, the Daytona 500, you're getting kind of the same scenery over and over and over. Mobile, right? And that, by the way, I don't know whether you've ever been down to Daytona. Never been to Daytona. The bank on that fucking track yeah. is so extreme that you can't imagine driving on it. When you're standing down there, you uh -huh. can go out and take a tour of the track when, you know, they're not racing. Yeah. And the bank is so fucking extreme Jesus. that it's oh, phenomenal. Yeah. So all these, you know, it's just the difference between NASCAR, it's just night and day. It's like trying to compare baseball and football. And like, well, how's that like football? You're probably it's, better off not even attempting to <laughs> do try. it. Just start fresh. Um, let's go over to Bob in New Orleans, Jeremiah Fez. Hey, Ron. Yeah. Uh, they used to race upstate New York a long time ago. Uh, then they went to Indy and they left the United States, but they're coming back to Austin in a couple of years. Um, that track should be ready. So they'll but, be, uh, they'll be in Austin doing this. Yeah. Yeah. They're building a track in Austin. Um, but I looked on their website this morning and Ron Howard's, uh, getting ready to do a movie. And they talked a little bit about that, uh, cinema documentary. The Senate documentary is, uh, and I, I'm I can't wait to talk to the guy because apparently they just had thousands and thousands and thousands of hours to comb this all together. Like almost every moment of this guy's life has been recorded because he was that big of a celebrity. He's a gigantic fucking worldwide star that no one in America really knows. Um, I guess a lot of people do. Wait, I mean, yeah, my my, my uh, things have exploded. My phones are exploding here today. I didn't know shit about them because I don't follow the sport. Yeah. And the weird thing is, like with a lot of sports, is it only takes, you know, a little bit of education before you go. Oh, all right, I see exactly yeah. what these dudes are doing. I mean, you know that that's the great thing about a good sports movie is that after a while, it has very little to do with the sport but the greatness that takes place during it. inside of that sport so when you're watching let's say if you watch the documentary on G gail sayers you wouldn't have to know a lot about that era of football or football at all before you're like all right here's the guy and here's how he he rises above the problems that are put in front of him so you know you had something for me oh i just i had information on that ron howard movie if you wanted to know yeah about what is it. it it's called rush he's gonna team with the guy who wrote uh frost nixon again and it centers on the story of uh nikki lauda who is an australian three-time f1 champion who almost died and then right after he woke up from his coma basically started going after this guy again named james hunt that was like his rival this is a real story real real story yep all right well right now i'm gonna focus on Senna. i'm all about the center right now i'm all about brazil that's I had right. Brazilian Julia in here yesterday. Today I'm talking about Senna. I wish I would have did this yesterday when she was here. She would have probably known all about it. I'm sure she does. There's posters for this movie all over my neighborhood. Oh, there's, is there? There's a lot of Brazilians in my neighborhood, but there's posters for it all over the place. Well, you know, friends. we're not that far from Little Brazil here. Oh, yeah. There's a street here called uh, Little Brazil, and 
it was uh, it's just all Brazilian restaurants, and I forget who it was. I think it was like when Ronaldo was big, right? He comes to New York on like a vacation, and it's just like cruising around, having a nice time. No one's bothering him. He's like, this is great. I can't do this anywhere in the world. Then he makes a right. And he's walking down Little Brazil, and people just start fucking coming out of the goddamn woodwork, diving on top of him. He's like, what just happened? <laughs> long fucking block. Um, here's uh, John in Boston. You're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie. How you doing? Yeah. Hey, Fez. Hey, Pepper. Hi. Hey, uh, when I was 19 and uh, 10 foot tall and bulletproof, I happened to see a documentary on Senna driving the Monaco race. Mm-hmm. And I quickly realized at that point in my life, I thought I could do anything. And I watched that guy drive with the cockpit camera, and I realized I could never do what that guy did. It was just amazing. No, it actually reminds you of like, I don't know, almost like a fighter pilot type thing or a test pilot where if you've ever seen any of that, you go, all right, there's only a few dudes that could ever pull this off. That have just the ability in their fucking brain to react that fast. It just yeah, doesn't I, seem human. You almost would have to take thinking out. I, you can't think fast enough to do this. It's got to have something to do with, I guess, preparation and instinct. And reflex, right? Yeah, reflex all put together. Because there's... I think that from what I could see of this, just driving through the the track without fucking up <laughs> would be gigantic to me. <laughs> like if you could make it through there once, yeah, you'd be like, I fucking did it. Now having that with other cars a fucking foot away from you, yeah, on every side. You. No, now this is just a world of impossibility. I'd be like, if I could go a hundred yards now without hitting something, <laughs> I'd be happy. Uh, Mike, you're on a fez. Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Ronnie B, how you doing, buddy? Good. Hey, uh, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I watched racing a lot. I, I used to love it, especially as a kid. And you know what? I just, I'm going to offend a lot of people here. I never got into the NASCAR. Honest to God. I mean, they, they just, you know, they hammer the throttle and they turn left. That's basically all they do. I couldn't do it. I mean, I'd crash that car in the first turn. I know it, but it, to me, it's not racing. It's almost, and it, you know, the, the accidents they have there, it's almost like you got to have those because they got too many guys starting. You gotta thin the herd. Formula One's the same way. There's just too many guys starting off at the race. But I'll tell you what, the, the Formula One guys, I mean, they're running a circle, you know, sure they are, but they've got right hand turns, the left hand turns, hairpins, they're up and down the gears. You know, it's. It, it, well, I mean, it, you know, it, it definitely is like two different sports, and it doesn't mean that you have to pick one over the other, although I understand why people do that. I mean, sometimes. You know, if you talk baseball, some football fan will just start yelling, football is so much big, whatever. There's a lot of colors in the rainbow. You you don't want a red rainbow. Oh, red's my favorite color. That's the only color that should be in the rainbow. All the that time. That would be fucking ridiculous. Big red bar in the sky. So there's no reason that you can't. But beyond that, in terms, I'm saying this as some guy who doesn't have anything to sell for this. Because uh, I don't think I'm suddenly going to be a huge Formula One fan. I was just a real fan of this one documentary and the storytelling about this guy's life because, you know, he was a phenomenal guy in this ridiculous, crazy sport. It was just, a, you know, it was really, really cool to check this out. And it's going to be opening all over the country. Um, I think it actually won the award at Sundance. Yeah. And Sundance is not a place that you would think of as racing. You know what I mean? No, is, not at all. 
a bunch of fucking movie geeks up in, the, yeah, up in the fucking Rockies. So you can get moved by some of these stories without knowing much about uh, the sport itself. Um, here's Jason. Jason, you're on the Run and Fish show. Yeah, I was just going to say I've been wanting to see that Senate documentary for, for you. It seems it's been out about two years in other countries, and it's finally start, it's going to make it to the United States. But uh, one of the things that made Senna special in Formula One was he was so he could get a lot out of a car that it didn't have. I don't know if they go into that in the film, but he drove for Lotus for a while in a car that was way off the pace and was still winning winning races in it, and it was just out of control. And him and Cross were going at each other. They were going to go to the death if that's what it took uh, in those days. Yeah, that's, it is what happened. Yeah, what was the guy who was like his main... Alain Cross. Yeah, that you always need that to... Uh, that fucking other character to be great. Yeah. You don't want like like Ali needed to have a Frazier. You have you need, you need a threat to you, right? And that's why, like they say, like a Larry Holmes never is considered one of the great champions because he never had that guy. Even Joe Lewis, you know, never had that guy that was just right there with mm -hmm. him. You know, going neck and neck. And without that, you never know how good you are. Yeah. Because it's the best competition that will take you up. If you're just dominating everyone, there's, then no, exci go, there's well, no excitement. And then you also go, uh, I don't fucking know how good this guy is. Uh, by the way, I just saw this go up. Jermaine Lassier has his, um, uh, on Slash Film, his review of Senna the movie. And, um,. Jermaine says something great here. He goes, wouldn't it have been a better movie if the Formula One car could have turned into like a robot, started shooting stuff? Yeah, I guess that would have been more exciting, but it just didn't happen. Do robots have to be in everything, Jermaine? Um, he wanted him driving Bumblebee. And a Brazilian, what, what was because Bumblebee is one of the guys? Yeah, is he a good guy or a bad guy? A good one, I think. I yeah. like the good robots, but I hate those bad robots. <laughs> I really do. Um, Decepticons. They have the word deception right in their name. That's probably why we should have known they were bad. Um, Dan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Thank um, you. Did the documentary cover why milk is a celebratory drink? No, but I did see him drinking some milk, and I guess milk puts up money. Is that the deal? I have no idea. I've I couldn't get out of that car and start drinking milk, though. Fuck that. Or at least I'd have to have some chocolate in it. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. We get uh, some fucking champagne up in this motherfucker. Celebrate. It's all about champagne with you, isn't it? Sure, yeah. I think it, Apparently, it's milk because Indy 500 and milk is a large... Mark, Indiana is a large producer of milk. I gotcha. Uh, Brazilian Julie says she does know a lot about that topic, and that man is still a legend in Brazil. They haven't gotten over it. Well, the other thing is, like, beyond the racing is the fact that he, like, Brazil was in real poverty, oh, yeah. and he was moving money around, so poor people Shit. were crazy about him. <laughs> and, like, I guess there was a thing in Brazil at one point, like, one you got out of Brazil, you're Peace like, out. forget, yeah, yeah, forget it. You know what I mean? It was like getting out of the ghetto or something. Uh -huh. 
but like he would grab the Brazilian flag and wow. put it out. So like he made these people feel so much. And I'm telling you, when the when the sad part hits, if you're a fucking person, <laughs> and I knew nothing about him <laughs> an hour and a half before, and I was crushed. No, I don't feel bad about something that happened, you know, twenty fucking years ago. Uh, Ali and St. Pete said the St. Pete Yacht Club uh, is where they did the track. Yeah, that's exactly where I was. Uh, right along there. And then Fred Brooklyn says he likes Fez's Hattie moments. He does have Hattie moments now. The hat is the new thing for Fez. What he thinks of it. Uh, here's John in Montreal. You're on Fez. Hey, guys. How you doing today? I yeah. just wanted to say, Ron, if you're really into F1 now, you got to come to Montreal. It's the only F1 stop in North America. And you get the full effect of how great these cars really are. Um, and they're right through the streets of Montreal? No, we have our own track. It's on a little island just in the middle of the city. Mm -hmm. uh, still a wonderful track, uh, over 300 kilometers an hour. And it's something you got to see before you die. All right. Um, well, we're going to have the guy who, and I don't have his name in front of me right now. He's in English. Asif Kapadia is the uh, director. He's an uh, English director, right? Yeah. Uh, and the, here's one of the weird things is when Hicks came to me and said, oh, would you see this movie? It's about Formula One race. And I'm like, no, thank you. And he's like, look, this film company has really been some of the people hooking up some stuff. They might have some stuff in the future. Could you look at it for me? I'm like, nope, can't do it. Thank you. It's Formula One. I'm gonna, it'll be too loud. And an hour and a half later... I'm going to have a headache and be pissed off at you. But Higgs would not leave me alone. And then finally I'm like, I'm going to go see the movie, but I'm going to turn down the interview. Know that I'm doing this for you, but I'm going to turn down the interview because I'm not going to want to talk about Formula One fucking racing on the radio. I was in this film not at all where I'm like, well, this is pretty cool. Then I'm like, holy shit. And then finally like, I want everything to be good for Santa. I want him to get everything that he wants. He's a wonderful person. I want, and then the you know it takes a fucking turn. Uh, and by the end of it, I'm like, this was one of my favorite movies of the whole year. And I'm not Damn. just talking about documentaries. It was just a great fucking ride of a film. Like, it, it's bizarre what you can do in a documentary uh, setting where at one moment you don't care about the topic at all. After that, you're really caught up in it. That's all you care. And I haven't stopped thinking about some of the shit that I saw in that uh, since I saw the film. So Friday, uh, we're going to have the interview in. And again, if you're any kind of a race fan, I think you're going to love this film, but you don't even need to be. Because I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, I watch the Daytona 500 every year, and that's it for me. Yeah. And I do that the same way I watch the Kentucky Derby. Like, it's that time of the year. <laughs> put it on. It's almost like my mom would put up Valentine's Day stuff. <laughs> hey! <laughs> I get like that with sports sometimes. I don't watch any fucking basketball to March Madness. Yeah, fuck then that. I'm like, well, what are we looking at here? Come on. What's happening? We got my brackets. <laughs> What's going on with Villanova? <laughs> I think they're going to win it all. <laughs> but see, there's a, there's a great story. People don't have to follow that, but by the time that March Madness is over, you suddenly care about some small school. Yeah, that's that fucking making some run. Yeah, 
And the same with horse racing. Oh, hell yeah. Like, suddenly that day of the Derby, if some horse wins the Derby, you know you're watching the fucking Preakness. No, without a doubt. And if they win the Preakness, oh, they're fucking locked in. Then the stakes is on. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. There was that, uh, remember that horse out of Philly a couple years ago? It was a little fucking horse. Won the first two legs. And the people of, it began with an essay. Smarty Jones? Smarty Jones, thank you. The people of Philly were so locked up that little kids were watching it on TV, and all the schools were like drawing pictures of him. And then he, when he fucking loses in New York, oh, that, they just showed like little children sobbing. I was so I was there. I was at Belmont that day. It was super sad. Well, it was a race was going on because obviously you were there. <laughs> you fucking seriously derelict. Yeah, it's okay. That's the last time they let uh, you bring in your own beer for. Uh Steaks Day. Now that's banned because people just got too fucked up. Just bringing in a cooler of beer uh, on Steaks Day, like Belmont Steaks Day, they don't let people bring in beer anymore because they got too. Back in two thousand four, they got everyone just trashed the fucking place. Everyone was so fucked up. The place was really a fucking madhouse. It was fucking. Crazy. Well, how many people you put there? Like one hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, it was. Crazy? I think it was like around a hundred thousand for that. Because and if if it's, if it's going for the fucking triple crown, it it blows up. The amount of people they're going to be there. Everyone just wants to be there. Watch this shit go down. It's insane. Yeah, it's fucking bad shit. The same amount of people to put in one spot. It's like a fucking little city. Rest of the time, there's no one there. It's just oh. like a bunch of Haitians. <laughs> it's a white trash. <laughs> but then once a year, hey, yeah, I'm here with checkered pants on <laughs> and some weird hat. All right, uh, it's uh, break time. But you know, a buddy of ours has a new uh, CD out. That's right, Mr. Tommy John again. Tommy John again, new CD out. Very, very funny comic. Why don't we do this? When we get back, Ninth Caller picks up the signed Tommy John again CD. What's the name of it? Stand Up Comedy 2. Stand Up Comedy 2. This is how, what a brilliant creative guy Tommy is, is that he's come up with the title Stand Up Comedy 2. Mm-hmm. That's right. You can get that at TommyJComedy.com. Tommy J Comedy? Tommy J Comedy. Um, so we'll uh, take a break. We get back. We'll take a caller to win this. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It's the Ron and Fez Show. The Ron and Fez Show. On the virus. On zero Fez. Just call and say what's in your head. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Talk about what you saw or read. 866 Fez. We just want to hear your calls. We're standing by right on the phones. 866 Fez. 866 Fez. 866 Fez. If your stomach is growling, looking for something sweet to eat. There's a place that I know of Where you can stuff your face happily So come on down to Molly's Cupcakes And have yourself a special treat Now rocking in New York City On 
6th Avenue and Bleecker Street They have all different types of flavors Cranberry, orange, banana, red velvet too Or you can have the Ron Bennington Have yourself a cupcake for me and you Hey, that's the Molly song by Nunami, our fabulous young intern who uh, has grabbed the hearts and minds of the listeners here oh, on yeah. the virus. Oh, yeah. Just one after another. That song, he's like little Paul Simon. Oh. He's just like happy little Paul Simon doing that. <laughs> I, I'll put it right up there with Codafone or whatever that fucking shit Paul Simon did. <laughs> All right, um, let's go over here to John. John, you're on first. First of all, I wanted to say a happy belated birthday to Stan. Oh, but, uh, Also had a spy report. Spy report, good. Chad Dukes' podcast sold out a 600-seat theater for a live show in September. It'll be their third live show since coming back as a podcast after WJFK, RIP, switched over to sports. The venue for the first two shows shows held about two fifty. All the guys I'm going with will be boozing, but I myself will be doing a little high end. Does it make you a bad person? Yeah, of course. Uh, well, shows, con congratulations okay. to Chad, and also you're a big winner today, dude. Tell him what he won, Hicks. That's right. You won a copy of Stand Up Comedy Two by Mister Tommy Jonigan. You go to TommyJComedy.com, pick up a copy for yourselves. All right. Uh, all right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Mark Zito has a Fed booked on the show in about 20 minutes. And this is about that case going on with the American who's stuck overseas. Yeah, Jason Perical, who's uh, imprisoned over in Nicaragua. And they can't get him out, even though he still hasn't been charged. Uh, correct. He actually he goes on trial today. It's been delayed twice, and then today is going to be the trial, even though they haven't really been at all fair to him. It's totally fucked up. Well, when the FBI is on your side, it, this doesn't normally happen. No, it's no. it actually never happens. No. <laughs> You'll never hear that. You'd have a Nicaragua prison from the computer side. Now, I know a little bit about this kind of stuff, because I watch Take the Money and Run. Um, now, that's my new TV show. How you like it? Uh, it's stupid as shit, but the best part of it is seeing how regular people deal with police interrogators. Uh, is it so before this started, I'm like, yeah, I think I would be a pretty good police interrogator. It would be a good job for me. This fucking chick would plant me. This girl who was doing, this officer, I should say, mm -hmm. who was doing that was so much better than the regular cops. Now, the two interrogators are going to be regulars on the show. Okay. Then you have police detectives driving around looking, looking for the box. But, so there was two brothers on the show. Uh, and one was just a fat mess, staying at home too much. And the other one was like uh, a real go-getter. Nice. Uh, the go-getter was like 48 hours, whatever they fucking throw at me, I'll take. Fat, lazy brother really thought he was going to jail for life. Oh, my God. They put him in a fucking jail cell. They're doing the interrogation. And, I mean, the next thing I hear him going is like, 
Well, I know we put it up over a hill at the park. Oh, Jesus. And he's going, I really want this money for my mom, though. And they're going, I know, dude. And you have every right to. And, like, you got caught up into this. This isn't your fault. He's like, it's not. It's really not my fault. Oh, my God. They broke him like that? They fucking broke him within about 40 hours. 40 hours, they fucking shattered him like he was your grandmother's vase. So Holy close. Shit. Um, you would think in 48 hours, and you can stash this anywhere in the city, they follow your GPS and they got your phone records mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So they know it's got to be somewhere along a certain route. Yeah. But the cops weren't able to find anybody to talk to. Uh, no way you could go into a park and just find a fucking briefcase unless the guy almost gave you the direct coordinates. Yeah. Um, Jesus. It was asinine. Um, let's go over here to Will. Will, you're on manifest. Hey, gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you still have that CD, that signed CD from Tiny and Sonigan? Uh, Well, we gave one away, but we're going to be doing more. And you mm -hmm. can also check them out at his website. TommyJComedy.com TommyJComedy.com So keep on listening, all right, dude? Thanks. All right. Uh, Jim, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, great show like always, guys. Happy birthday, Chris. I just Thanks. think that uh, the um, uh, No Name Molly song sounds more like Jack Johnson than Paul Simon. All right, I can see that a little bit, but Jack Johnson is like the fucking grandson of Paul Simon, is he not? Well... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. Thanks. Bye. Um, I had to send this back. Remember, we had Jennifer in here yesterday, and she didn't know who Laura Nero was, so I had to write to her and say, check with your dad. I'm sure he met her, if he's been around this. And this is how many things that this Jennifer lost out in her life. Unbelievable. I just, you know... Huh? Well, hanging out in that giant apartment. I know one thing. She's doing a hell of a show lately with that little Lily. Oh, yeah. They're like two girls against the world right now. Like two young ladies uh, taking on the entire world. Um, here's a weird thing that was on TMZ. Arnold Schwarzenegger was out bike riding on uh, Sunday in Santa Monica wearing a shirt that said, I survived Maria about his ex-wife. And it was actually some joke shirt from when she was... First Lady of California, but he switched it to like their exact years that they nice. were together. Nice. The men have got to learn. You got to take a fucking high road <laughs> because the women, particularly, all right, was he stepping out? Yes. Did he step out that far? No, it was with the maid. Yeah. Well, did he keep it on the DL? Well, she had a kid that looked like him. So you already. Out with the fucking wife. And the kid, the kid played with his kids. Yes, yeah. I mean, she practically lived at the house. So he has got to know that no one is going to be on his side in the she's a bitch fucking category. He's even behind the eight ball even more because she's a Kennedy. And there's instant sympathy right there. He, the that, thing, that, you know, I think that would be piled on top of sympathy for her already. I don't think a man could fucking beat a woman in the divorce thing unless she's the one caught red-handed. Yeah. Know? She has to have the scarlet letter. But what you need to do was just fucking lay low until this thing is over. You know, take it properly. I can't believe the balls on him. It's fucking crazy that he did this. It's pretty fucking funny. 
Well, he's acting a little bit like Sandra Bernhard's fucking... Uh, not Sandra Bernhard, Sandra... The fucking blind... Uh, the uh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock, that fucking husband, where he wrote the book like, hey, you know, she did something. Everyone fucking hates him. Oh, yeah. You yes, can't yes. get... The women are going to hate you, and the men are just going to keep quiet because you can't act like... If you got a chick, you can't act like, well, you're going to see from his point of view. Come you know? on. You know, sometimes you want to get a blowjob, you know. It's never going to fucking work for you. I don't it, even know if the guy can date first after the breakup. I think if you stay low, it's no one's business. Yeah. The who dates who, it, everyone needs to move on from yeah. that. And not fucking hear that information. But when you wear shit like that, you, you're taking it back to, hey, let the public talk about you. You've got to say, hey, my private life's my private life. It isn't up to anyone who dates who first or no, how long you date after the. Just keep it quiet. Yeah, whatever happens, happens. I can't stand these people who go on talk shows and start talking about their ex-marriages or write a fucking book about it. It's stupid. They fucking love it. They love doing that shit. And it's always going to be the dude's fault, particularly if he's got a big, giant fucking head of kid from his maid. And then, you know, Maria was like, hey, we'll take him in, too. You know what I mean? Like, that's my kid's brother. Yeah. So, I, you know, she's playing it so fucking smart. The women love her. Oh, yeah. She's the fucking perfect victim. And he just looks crazy. Um, Here's uh, Mike. Mike, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, uh, actually, I'm glad you switched subjects. You know what? Valerie Bertinelli is the queen of all fucking bitches whenever she uh, just obliterated Eddie Van Halen in the press. And went on every talk show and talked about all the drugs and shit he did. And then she's over here fucking selling Ultra Slim now or whatever it is, you know. And she's making out like a bandit and made him look like a shithead. And everybody was on her side because she was America's sweetheart and he was a rock and roller. But Eddie just fucking crawled up in his fucking house, shut the blinds, and stayed there for a couple of years. Then came out and said, I've got a new chick and life is good. And I was like, okay. Yeah, let's get the band back together, too. But you're not, time. yeah, you're not going to beat Valerie Bertinelli in a fucking pissing match. Oh, no, the battle. women will fucking beat you. You got to go low. You got to fucking swim deep, deep as you can, and dig your ass into the mud like a catfish and lay down there. Oh, hell yeah. That's and let this fun. storm pass over top. Um, by the way, uh, and I don't know what's the sign of the time story, oh, no. but Gavin DeGraw in New York City jumped, beat up by a bunch of fucking idiots on the street. Zito, do you even know what part of town this was? Uh, I was in the East Village. Now, do you think they knew that he was the pop star? They might have, because I think he owns a bar down there, actually. I'm telling you, it's weird. When fucking the money starts getting worse, the anger picks up, the worst and all of a sudden it gets crazy again. The worst part was, apparently, after he, he got a beating, he was, like, stumbling out... Just no idea. Yeah. I waved to <laughs> Rob. Doesn't even look oh, in. No. Didn't even look my way. Oh. He, after, uh, he, after he got beat up, he stumbled into the street and got hit by a cab. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, afterwards. I, that's how motherfucking get, get killed. Yeah. Way to go, cab driver. Way to fucking stay on top of things. Yeah, Jesus. So this is in the Lower East Side. Yes. Yes. You got fucking housed. All fucked up. I was all laid up in Bellevue. Wow, really? Yeah. Fucking cab wounds, fucking punch wounds. Jesus. The cab thing is just ridiculous. 
Yeah, they're saying he's got a broken nose, a concussion, scrapes, black and blues. Which, honestly, given what I read, sounds like it's not as bad as it could have been. And yet, when you were still in the hospital, you fucked up. Because, you know, I've been hit by cars and sent home from the fucking hospital. You know, not even a minute. Yeah. The fact that you're... See, this is another thing. The concussion, which, because of some reason, in movies, we don't think is a big deal. No. Like, in a movie, it's like, all right, I'm going to go in there, and Chris is like, I'm going with you, and I go, okay, buddy. And then I knock him out to save him. In real life, once he gets the concussion and his brain is bleeding, yeah. I might have killed my friend. Yeah. I might just pass out from fucking hemorrhage. But for some reason, yeah, they just wake up in movies. They just wake up from a concussion. Oh. All right, all right, let's go look for more clues. And when you wake up from a concussion, you're like, wait, am I half retarded? I got to lay down. My head hurts all the way down to my toes. There's gaps in my memory. If you have like three concussions in football, they start talking about retiring you. But mm -hmm. Bruce Willis, the number of concussions he's probably had... <laughs> In film is in the hundreds for now. those people's safety, though. Right. Um, let's go over here to uh, Brian. You're on the Run and Fest show. Hey, good morning, fellas. How you doing today? Yeah. I got a moral conundrum for you. I need some help. Oh no, it's a moral conundrum. Conundrum. Okay, so I have a kid. She's about nine months old. My wife tells me we're pregnant again, so we're all excited. And uh, we start getting into a discussion about uh, godparents again. Now, I only have a couple of really close friends. Uh, one of the single has been my best friend since I've been nine. And I said, I would like my friend here to be the uh, the godfather again. And she gives me a very, very difficult time saying, you can't do that, I won't let you do it. And she's being a complete bitch about it. And uh, to be honest, she's a ballpuster to begin with and, you know, alienates a lot of my friends because she's very controlling. So, uh, trying to stand up. What do you guys think? Well, who does she want to be the godfather? Anybody. She's like, choose somebody else that can't be him. She doesn't offer any type of uh, solution. She just throws, you know, um, obstacles. All right, so here's the problem. You're saying that she's a bitch and she's controlling, yet you're having two fucking kids in nine months with her. Guess what, dude? You have no fucking friends. You have no okay. life. Your life is over. You fucking signed up for a goddamn pirate ship and you can't get off now. That's the fucking straight line. And here's the other thing that's even more important. The godparent thing doesn't matter. The godparent thing doesn't mean shit. Yeah. You know, it's some ancient thing that someday if those parents die, you take over. Now you can't get your... If those people died and you're the godfather, you can't get those kids. That doesn't mean dick. It doesn't mean nothing. So tell your friends... This shit doesn't mean nothing. By the way, I don't know how to plan a family. I fucked up completely. I still wish I was out drinking with you guys. But I'm going to fucking have to get one of those fucking baby carts that has bunk beds. Oh. Because I'm too stupid to put this thing together. Your life is over, Brian. You got a fucking life sentence now. Oh. You might get out in 25 years of good behavior. Oh, God. Your biggest decision is you didn't fucking marry... Your friend. Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue because uh, you know when you when you're chasing you know crazy tail and uh, you can't say no to it. You know I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm self-destructive. Maybe I guess what your life is fucking over. You would now have to dedicate your life to these two kids that you're fucking too stupid to fucking plan. 
It's done. Don't go dumping them back on the rest of us. I want you to fucking look at your shoes and get the next 22 years of your life over Jesus. with these children. And when they're done, then you can get back out on the streets again. All right, buddy. See you I later. You, heads up there. you fucked up. You fucked up, and now you have to live with it. So It's so fucked up. 25 years. To hear, like, hey, I don't even like this bitch, and yet you knock her up twice in fucking nine months? Yeesh. Pull out, dog. Sorry. Come on. You have every fucking um, opportunity to end this. You didn't do it. No. <laughs> yeah. All the fun is over. It's done. It's done. No more. And the Godfather stuff doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean a fucking thing. It's a load of shit, right? It's a load of shit. My buddy was like, yeah, I'm the Godfather of someone's fucking kid. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. You have no fucking attachments to this child. But he treats you like, he's just constantly talking about the God door. Like, who cares? When I was like 15 or 16, this fucking guy shows up at the house. He's an older dude. Yeah. Knocks at the door and my mom answered. They're fucking talking. I'm not paying any attention. My mom calls me up upstairs. She goes, uh... Ron, this is your godfather. He used to be married to your aunt, and he was your godfather, and then they divorced, mm -hmm. and you haven't seen any. And he comes over, and he fucking, you know, look, I just want to say hi. But, you know, and I'm like fucking shaking his hand. I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. And then we go over, we grab the Irish whiskey. Oh, nice. We pour a shot, we fucking... Do each other. We do another shot. He's got a tear coming out of his wow. eye. He goes, "This means a lot." I had the chance to do another shot with him, and then he's back into his fucking car and he's gone. And uh, my mom's like, "Wow, that was so I never expected to see him. He just shows up at the house like that, you know." But he goes, "You know, it was great that he came and saw you." And I go, uh, "You know, I thought that Uncle Ray was my godfather." And my mom goes like this, "Oh yeah, he is." I guess that guy is Bobby's godfather. I don't know. Isn't that the wrong fucking guy? He's sitting there fucking crying with me and doing fucking shots of Bushmills. Fuck. And the wrong great. fucking dude. Then <laughs> uh, I go like this. Well, let's have another one, a quick one, to get rid of this embarrassed feeling we have. Let's keep it going. I had friends, sisters, and the one was godmother to the other one's twins. And she took it so seriously, she actually ended up turning in her godmothership. Because part of the vow was to raise, if to make sure that these children are raised in the church and with a religious upbringing. Right, she, the Catholics do that. The yeah. Catholics make you take classes when you're the godfather. But it doesn't mean shit because you're not going to get those kids anyway. It's from a different time. It's it's like an ancient thing. Now it's just like giving somebody the key to the city. You don't get to go around and open up all the fucking doors to the city. All right, we've got a uh, FBI agent coming on to tell us about this story. And Hicks, this is the kind of story that should uh, scare every American. We've we had the family of this guy on before. Yeah, we had his sister on. Uh, it's Jason Puricall. He got busted in Nicaragua. He was doing real estate down there, and then they raid his business and his home and put him in. And he's in prison, and he can't get out. There's nothing he can do now. He was living in where? Nicar Nicaragua. Nicaragua, and this kind of stuff has happened before down there. Uh, but apparently, there that he hasn't been treated fairly, charged no. fairly, mm -mm. the whole thing. Now, we've got Steve Moore 
coming on. Ed Steve Moore is a former FBI agent helping out with the case. Uh, and here's the website to go to. And really, this is one of those things, folks, that you can do to help out. And you don't even have to leave your house. No. But you can contact your congressman and stuff like this and just say, this is a story that the American people are paying attention to. And if this was somebody in your family, you'd want them to have a fair trial. Go to FreeJasonP.com. We'll put this up on 202 Friends. Do me a favor. Once you get the link retweeted, send it out to some celebrities, send it out to the kind of people who get involved in this. Yeah. I know it would be great to get a Hillary Clinton type, somebody in the Senate, uh, or even somebody in Congress that could be on top of this story. Um, but we've got Steve Moron. He's a former FBI agent to talk to us about this case a little bit. Steve, thanks for being on the show. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Steve, how did you get involved in Jason's case, and what exactly is going on right now? Well, I, uh, I know a guy named Eric Bowles, and Eric was uh, charged with murder down there in Nicaragua a few years back. They held him for a couple of years uh, for a murder uh, that happened while he was in a city uh, about 100 miles away. And uh, Jason heard about this. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Eric heard about this case and contacted me and said, you know, would you look at the evidence and see if there's anything here? And so I said, okay. When you looked at the evidence, what did you find? Nothing. There is no evidence against this guy. Uh, they just picked him up uh, because they, you know, I, I, I still can't figure out why they picked him up. I, I know that real estate is a big, uh, the guy's a real estate uh, broker down there, and um and, and American citizen, and uh, they they do a lot of funny stuff with real estate down there. If you buy stuff, they'll rip it off from you. They'll they'll claim all sorts of stuff. The government is sw is swapping and ripping off real estate all the time. So they probably were not happy with an American dealing with uh, real estate down there. So this is just one of those things of wrong place, wrong time. Now that they ripped them off, why don't they just let the dude go? What are they? Uh, they've got too much invested in it right now. Um, number one, uh, he had, because of the way real estate works down there, he had a lot of money in different escrow accounts. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars in different escrow accounts for buyers from the U.S. and other places who are buying property in Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and that kind of stuff. The police now have that money. And if they release him, they'll have to give that money back. And... Uh, I, I'm not so sure that uh, they want to give that money back. So uh, this this is really something like a foreign government um, kind of stealing from an American citizen, but beyond that, they're actually more or less kidnapping them at this point. This is a kidnapping. This is a this is a government sanctioned kidnapping. And since Daniel Ortega in the seventies uh, and eighties, um, to be exact. Uh, the, the Nicaraguan government has really not liked Americans all that much. And um, I think this is the Americans have been uh, really victimized down there. I think probably six people from his from his own village have been uh, or his own city have been picked up illegally. You have uh, Eric Bowles, who was there two years for a murder that happened 100 miles away. Um, you know, it's it's. Just this thing, it, the usual suspects there mm -hmm. are Americans. And so if you're down there and they've got, uh, 
they've got a need to, for a suspect and they can't think of anyone else, they'll look for the American. So Jason goes into trial, but you're also worrying that this is going to be the same kind of trial that Eric Bowles was caught up in where you really don't stand a chance in it. I don't think he does stand a chance in it the way it's sitting right now. Um, there's There's been sightings of the police commissioner coming out of the judge's office. That's not allowed even under Nicaraguan law. Um, so in, in, in it, uh, Jason's uh, initial hearing... Um, there were the entire police brass were sitting in the back of the courtroom, kind of in a, uh, you know, this ain't no normal case. You better do it our way. Uh, move to let the judge know they were interested. So, evidence, you know, even the American ambassador down there says once you're in court, evidence doesn't really mean much. It's all politics. It's all money. It's all it's all greed. Mm-hmm. And um, so this really is not going to have anything to do with evidence. It's going to do with what is the easiest, what is the most uh, profitable thing for the Nicaraguan uh, officials in that city. Uh, to to have done. And so it's, you know, they're not even trying real hard to find evidence. There is none, uh, because they don't really need it to get a conviction in these courts. All right, so what you guys are trying to do is get local congressmen involved in this. I mean, eventually, I think what we need is the State Department to go down and negotiate for the guy, right? Yeah, it, it would be great. I, I think the State Department, uh, I've been astounded. I mean, I worked in an embassy for a while. I was a, a, an assistant legal attache, and I am astounded at how little the State Department is doing for Americans who get in trouble overseas. It, it kind of isn't in the State Department's best interest because they've got to maintain the rapport with the government that they're working with down there. And fighting for Americans pisses off the governments down there, and it really kind of hurts their performance reviews. We have to put more fire under the State Department than they are getting from the host governments. All right, so it is Free Jason P. That's uh, com. That's the way to do it. Make sure... If you're listening to this program, it'll take you a second to either write to a congressman and then retweet this out as much as you possibly can, because the only chance this America has is for the media to put a little bit of pressure on the Congress, the Congress to put a little pressure on the State Department. This is basically the fuel that is needed to get this engine up and running, and remember, this could happen to anybody in your family. It's one of those deals that could happen to anybody. Um, Steve, what is what is your plans to do this? Have you talked to anybody in the State Department or Congress about this? I I have not yet, but I am probably going to. Um, it's uh, I'm I'm working on this pro bono. I'm not uh, I'm not some paid consultant for the family or anything like that, but. If I can get to the State Department, if I can get to a congressman, a senator, anybody, I will talk to him. Because this guy, he's, he's, he's a good guy. He's an American. He went down to Nicaragua with the Peace Corps, for God's sake. I mean, he's down there to help the country. And guess what? He falls in love with a Nicaraguan woman and decides, I need to be with her. Okay, that's why he's down there. It's not that he wanted to leave the United States. He's just a good guy who was doing the right thing. And he got, he got hijacked. 
Um, now, you brought up uh, Eric Boltz. I, I kind of got involved in this because I read his book. The oh, Nicaraguan yeah. prison is uh-huh. such a scary, dangerous place that yeah. you can only last so many years there. Oh yeah, if if years. Uh, this uh, just down the uh, just down the aisle from uh, where they're holding Jason. The guy was shot to death from outside of his cell. Uh, you know, with with a pistol that, that bore a strong resemblance to a police pistol. Uh, anything goes in those prisons. Jason's lost thirty or forty pounds right now. Uh, you get beaten. You get he's had infections. Uh, it is a horrible. Horrible place. Tuberculosis runs throughout the whole place. You have a bunch of people stuffed in the same pit together. The air uh, quality is terrible. The heat is terrible. Fever. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's it's insane. Uh, well, Steve, I appreciate you uh, keeping us up to date with us. Call us anytime you need. Now you got our numbers and anything we can do to help you get the word out. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Anytime at all. It's uh, free, Jason P. Dot com. This is something that you can do from your house, in your computer, drop an email to your local congressman, and just as importantly as that, retweet it, because there's probably, you know, one of the things that you find out about the social networks now is that you can bump into people who are a nephew of a congressman, a brother-in-law of a congressman, somebody that can move you past the red tape. And there's got to be one person out there who can make all the calls. Yeah. But the Eric Bolt story, I'm going to tell you now. The read the prison stuff. It's absolutely frightening. I can't um, imagine. That was Gringo Nightmare was his book. Uh, that's horrifying. Here's uh, Bill. You're reading the book now. Yeah, I'm about I'm, right now. He's in court where I'm at right now, and, and what you're saying, it's terrifying to listen to what he's gone through up to this point by being thrown in prison. And he was nowhere around. There was no evidence to put this guy in there. It's such a corrupt system. It's, it's amazing. Uh, well, make sure that you stand. Eric is behind this guy. It's freejasonp.com. Uh, freejasonp.com. Uh, and again, if you can send out an email or a letter to your local congressperson, that's great. But just as importantly, retweet it. Send it out to people because there's always one dude. There's always some guy that you can get you in. It's just like finding a job. It's so much better if you know somebody at the company yeah. than if you're walking in there and sitting in line like a ham and egg. This guy is in the, in the worst possible um, oh. situation that you could find out about. And if the State Department can help him, that's where we need to be. Fuck yeah, getting the fuck out of that hellhole. What? The thing about the story is he's got his mom and his sisters in Washington that never uh, stop working for him to do what they can to get him out. They're looking for anybody that can reach Hillary Clinton. They need a heavy hitter. Yeah. Somebody who knows how this deal works out. Um, we should also, too, Mark, uh, try to get him on some of the other shows around here. I'll get on that. Um whether it's right-wing, liberal show, um, you need both. You need it all. Yeah, There's time that all Americans can come together for pro-American things. 
Uh, I know that's hard to do in this day and age, <laughs> but it needs to be done. Tom, you're on Hey, Ronnie. You know, this kind of stuff, it just occurs again and again, and I don't know why our State par Department doesn't get more involved. Maybe maybe they can't, you know, to try to prevent this. But could you could you spell Jason's last name again? It kind of, I couldn't understand it when you guys were sure. saying it earlier before the agent came on. That's Jason Puricow, P-U-R-E. A-C-A-L. FreeJasonP.com is everything. That's where everything will be. Okay. If you go to FreeJasonP.com, they're going to give you addresses that you can use or phone numbers. Yeah. And that's the okay. kind of stuff thanks, that you buddies. need to do. I might, I might know someone here at the federal level. So thanks a, thanks a million. Thank you. Um, here's uh, Kevin. Kevin, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Ron. Uh, I appreciate your concern about this gentleman in Nicaragua. Um, but I, I would like to see you be uh, equally concerned about... Um, the the citizens of Philadelphia, specifically the white uh, citizens of Philadelphia, that over the past couple of months have been uh, arbitrarily and randomly beaten by black teenagers. Is this the flash uh, mob stuff you're talking about? Well, it's been going on for a couple of months. I have, you know, and it's been it's been going on uh, over and over, and uh, I haven't heard you say anything about it. And well, we had the flash mob uh, stuff on of how to get around that and what they're going to do about it. Uh, but, you know, Philly is always, I mean, that kind of time that you had in Philly where it was um, pretty safe is, uh, that's new in the city of Philadelphia. I mean, when I was a kid, we used to get out as soon as it got fucking dark. We're like, you know, we come in, got our product, time to get the fuck out, get over the fucking Penrose. So um, it's always uh, been that way. You know, we were just bringing up a, another documentary called The Informers about south uh, side of Chicago, the gangland stuff that's going on there, yeah. is um, it's pretty edgy. It's pretty fucking um, dicey right now. Here's Rick in Virginia. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hello? Yes, sir. This is Rick. Yeah. Oh, sorry. A little uh, rough transition there. Um, I, I just... It seems like there's some holes in the story. I, I find it weird that this guy was blissfully ignorant of the risk he was running going down to Nicaragua as a venture capitalist. He should have expected something like this to come. And has anyone done any research about his business dealings in the United States? Did this guy lose his accreditation? Did he have some legal trouble? I find it hard to believe that he was blinded by love, couldn't leave a lady, had to move to Nicaragua instead of bringing her up here. Uh, there are Americans living all over the world, um, and I'm not asking you to believe any of the story or whatever. Just go to the website, freejasonp.com, check into it for yourself. But if you're hearing from an FBI agent that no, not even local Nicaraguan law was followed, let alone international law, I mean, what you'd like to see is for this to come up to make sure the guy gets a free trial. I'm not asking you to buy into anything hook, line, and sinker. I'm telling you the same thing that I heard, is that as an American, you want to hear that Americans are getting uh, fair shakes yeah. wherever they happen to be. Gotcha. Love the show, man. Thanks for taking Thank you call. very much. Um, I'm not asking you to buy into anything other than taking a second to read, pass it along to your congressman, and a fair shake is all anybody's looking for. That's all. Um, but to go back to what the other gentleman talked about in Philadelphia, 
it does seem to be one of these things that when you start to get into hard times, there starts to be ugliness breaking out again. Yeah. I brought up South Side of Chicago. There's stuff happening in New York that hadn't been going on um, for uh, a couple of years. Long time. Um, Los Angeles. You start read weird stuff about. So, um, you know, safety is something that's important to everybody. Um, also, safety for poor people. Not for just rich people who happen to end up in a poor neighborhood, but for the poor, law-abiding, good people who happen to live in those neighborhoods. They need safety as well. Bill in Virginia, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, what we need to do is ban the import of the Nicaraguan tobacco. They have so much stronghold in the cigar tobacco industry. If we put a blockade on that shit till they send a boy home, then, you know, they'd be fucked. Well, see, I don't know, you know, much about that, but it's why uh, it becomes difficult for the State Department to get involved in some of these things because they got their own business that they do with it. But all it takes is pressure. All it takes is shining a light. And if this story is the way that Jason's family um, is telling us, then that's the story that needs to be told. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the gentleman. I heard from his family. And I'm like, uh, absolutely, uh, we'd like to help. Why not? Of course, the guy's riding away to Nicaraguan prison. That the is... Nicaraguan prison stuff is just... Worst story ever. I mean, if you ever thought to yourself, oh, God, I wish I was in an American prison, you know, that never comes up in your mind no. until you start to read this. They have a clock on the Free Jason uh, P. Uh, website. 272 days since they broke in there and took him. Just a nightmare. It is. All right, it is the Ron and Fez show. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. I was uh, completely surprised to see how many people were into this Senadoc. Oh yeah, That's, uh, we're going to have the people one. on. Who's the company behind that? It's Diane Daniels PR. Is the one people behind that? Um, and this thing may end up on that ESPN 30 for 30. I saw that in the logo. <laughs> that ESPN 30 for 30 show was a, tremendous. They are doing great, great stuff in there. And that's kind of new for ESPN, to get involved with kind of historical stuff and documentary stuff. But there's a lot of great sports stories that went on, that go on there. Some that you know pretty well, but didn't know as deeply. And then some that you've never uh, heard of before this. Oh, they're fantastic. The two Escobars is a great one. They, oh, they, man, that was, was one of my favorite. Again, it was rerun. Amazing. Just so good. Well, you know, the on-demand has tons of them, too. Where yeah. I, when, I, when I first got into it, I was just like on the ESPN Demand channel, just watching one <laughs> after another after another. That's sick. Uh, but, you know, we were going over how some of the violence is coming back when you look at this craziness in London. Holy shit. Which I don't even know what those people are angry about is it an anti-cop thing is it it's just i think a boiling over of just people poor people just fucking pissed off it started with a guy in a bad neighborhood a, a black guy i believe got shot by the cops the cops apparently lied said he shot them and they just shot him and killed him so that was the thing that started it off and now they're saying that there are a bunch of other factors are coming in. This is why it's spreading to other cities all across fucking Britain. Yeah, it reminds you of the, the 92 riots in L.A. where all of a sudden other cities started having flare-ups when you start finding out how angry people are. It's insane. 
Um, it's scary as shit. Here's uh, Agent Eddie. You're on my first. Yes. Yes, sir. The phone is clean, and we are ready to dial. The phone is clean, and we are ready to dial. I think someone just used our show as code word. Oh, no. They're using us as code phrases now, that they can drop their code phrases out there. Oh, Jesus Christ. But this basically, London is just blowing up like a sublime song. And what also gets to you with this kind of frustration is it looks like they're fucking up their own neighborhood. Yep. Yep, they're fucking just setting shit on fire, setting cars on fire, setting everything, anything they can Local on fire. businesses on fire that they're going to need later. <laughs> you know, the stuff with the shooting that's so weird is, remember for years, you'd never hear about shootings going on in England? Yeah, because apparently they had guns or whatever. No. Not always. No. There's a uh, English soccer a friendly they're playing against somebody that looks like it might have to get canceled because they're worried about suddenly putting Almost. a stadium of people Jeez. back together again in London. Yeah. There's the bus on fire. A so, double decker? Yeah, a double decker just flaming. That's up. twice as hard to put out, you know. It's over. London's done. I don't know. Look at LA bounced. Sometimes this shit pops up in cities. Um, is uh, Duke, you're in the run of Fest show. I seriously hope that London takes it easy and stops burning soon because uh, I, uh, these Londoners need to get to their dentist appointments. Oof, ah. Uh. That's a great 30-year-old fucking joke, but it's not 1965 anymore. They have modern dentistry there. Wow, they're burning that building up, huh? Yeah, that was a before and after. And that looks like a really old, hundred-year-old building. Oh, yeah, whatever. there's a bell tower and shit. Yeah, I know. You're not going to build another one with a bell tower. <laughs> when you look at the world, is the world going to get better or worse? Because, oh. I mean, if you're to believe the, the news, we're circling the fucking drain right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, there's been, there is no good news left. It feels like it's just getting worse and that it's coming to a head where it's going to be over soon. But I, I'm sure people say that in every generation. I think it's getting worse. And it just feels like it's on a brink where there's no way it can come back. It's too big. Well, what is the brink that you're worried about us losing here, Fuzz? Where it's just going to become some sort of anarchy, some sort of Mad Max world. It will, you know, anarchy only lasts a little while, though. Like, in no time at all, you need organization. Now, you might not like the organization that anarchy lives uh, leads to, but things do organize. There's no one country that's ever kept anarchy going. You will end up with some kind of law and order. And it may not be the kind of law and order that you're happy with. But it'll stabilize. You, know, you might have a dictator, but you do stabilize. You don't get around that. Anarchy just springs up from time to time. Yeah, but it's what can happen during that uh, anarchy time. What could happen? Well, I think people are just, you know, it's going to get to a point if, like, food prices keep going up where people are going to just Wait, are you bust. are you selling that Price product again? Don't, seriously. Price is 11? Don't, don't, don't do that. Just, like, during your, 
what do you call it, talk? I don't mind you. If you've got a live read to do, I don't give a shit if you're selling heroin on here. But you can't start and work that in and out of conversations. And you can't use that as your only motivation to being in a conversation with us. I just, <laughs> I don't think, even when there's hard times, you do also seem to, you got to look at it for opportunity in that, you know? There's got to be ways to say in, how do you make things better, and what do you do to make it better? Yeah. Uh, with more fire and explosions and just, there in London? Fucking just kids with, you know, shit over their faces, attacking cops. And see, they, you know, there was so many times, I remember when I was a kid growing up, the Northern Ireland stuff, right? We never thought that would ever be solved and taken care of. And it's very rare to hear that kind of stuff now. Oh, no. It's but the explosions that went off when I was a kid, it would be constant. Like car bombs going off every fucking week. And, shit. and I remember hearing from people, it's going to bring this is the end of the world. This is going to sweep across, you know, and then people get it back together. And you got to some, you know, believe in people up to a point. Yeah. I mean, everything is going to collapse, but, you know, we, we're human beings. We can't rebuild. And make Most it. of us want a world for people to live happily in. Yeah. Even if we disagree politically, you know, we don't want a crazy fucking world that we can't get along with. Walk down the streets yeah. safely. I don't give a shit what your political background is. You don't want to see kids and women attacked as they're going to school or the supermarket. Um, here is uh, Kurt. Kurt, you're in Hey, guys. I... I don't believe it's getting worse. I think it's getting better. In what way is it getting better? Well, I'll give you an example. I, uh, one thing that I, I was just thinking about this this morning on the way to work, what, what technology has done in terms of damage technology will bring us out of, and people will utilize that technology. And corporations are, are always five, five years behind the ball of where the latest and greatest is, maybe ten years. And so that's one reason why I think it's getting better. The other reason is I work for a very large corporation that works in the energy market. And the thing about that is, is that, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll shut up in a minute. No, I want to hear it. But the thing about that is, is that every customer that I go into manufacturing in the southeast is doing really good right now. And everybody talks about, you know, the numbers and this number and that number. And, and it's, it's this... Of course, it's the media blitz of information that you just get hammered with. Right. So that brings you down. But you also have to take into account that you're not hearing everything from everybody. You have to sit in the middle, weigh things out, and come up with an opinion. And at the end of the day, my opinion, as a guy who sits in the, ways, in the middle and weighs things logically, is that things are not getting worse. They're okay. Everything's okay. You got well, it, your plate, you got gas. Can you drive a car? Are you an American? Do you have clothes? You know, it's not that bad. You know, and, and the other part of it is this, too, um, is that these governments, our government as well as the others that are tied up in the stock market right now, have been acting like assholes for a while. And this, what's going on right now, could lead to them straightening themselves out and stop acting like a bunch of fucking morons with money to burn. Yeah. But that would be up to the uh, American people and the people of the world to go, do we want the kind of governments that we can be proud of? This is one of those times where you could say, what do we really want? 
But I would love people to sit down and discuss it and not just scream political stuff back and forth. I'd like to know the discussion is a milkshake, a beverage, or a dessert. Who brought that up? Um, I was thinking about it when I was I was going through desserts. Well, hold on. Before we get to this, I want to just make sure. This is not part of the big political discussion that's going on in the world. No. It's got nothing to do with the stock market or the violence in England. No, no debt ceiling, none of that. All right. What was your question again? The milkshake. Yeah. Beverage or dessert? It's beverage. Now, what I was saying... I think it's about, a dessert. Before we get back into that, ha, have you ever been to a restaurant? Yes. And when they bring around desserts, is there a milkshake on there? Well, Did no. you ever see a, a milkshake on a dessert fucking menu, ever? It's not, it's not listed with the ice cream? I'm asking you right now, have you ever been in a restaurant, and when the menu came out, the term milkshake was on there? No. Does anyone have a hamburger, eat a hamburger, and then go, now I'd like to have the milkshake delivered to me? You get the milkshake with the... Dessert, right? That sounds good. You get the milkshake with the hamburger. Right. Do you get a pie with the hamburger? No. Do you do you get a piece of cake with the hamburger? No. Do you get a milkshake with the hamburger? Yes. But I think So it's we a know it's not a dessert. I think it's a dessert you have with the meal. Is there another case that that takes place? Uh not that I can think of. So your thing is a root beer float of the dessert? Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this. It's a treat. It's a nice treat. It's a fabulous one. But it's also a beverage. You have it with... It is a beverage. You can't get around it. You yeah, can drink it. It's drinkable. It, you never order it for, for dessert, no. I think it's a drinkable dessert that you're having with your meal. It's got... <laughs> it's first of all, it's dessert ingredients. It's, if, if it's a fucking dessert that you can have with your meal, it's not a dessert. You divide up whether it's an appetizer, an entree, or dessert, correct? Right. So, yes, you could eat an appetizer along with the meal, but it's still a fucking appetizer. This is craziness. I don't want to get in. That's how I feel about the milkshake. It's a dessert you're having along with the meal. Made Look, out of can I fucking tell you something, dude? I'm serious about this. My milkshake brings the boys to the yard. My life is better than yours. Damn right it's better than yours. I'd teach you, but then I'd have to charge. Anyway. Let's get back to the main thing. It is a fucking beverage because you can drink it. That's what makes something a beverage. I think it's like a drinkable dessert. I know like you've stated go yurt. You've you stated that over and over, but the fact of the matter is, I also brought up the thing is is it on a fucking dessert menu? You just don't go out to a nice restaurant and when the dessert menu comes along there's a milkshake there. Mm-mm. Never. I've never seen that happen in my Now, you could life. treat salami as a fucking dessert if you wanted to. Oh. That wouldn't matter. But where would it normally go? I don't know what this has to do with England. I don't know what it has to do with the stock market. That hat is making you crazy. Yeah. Since that hat, you've been fucking rolling. It's seeping craziness in your brain. You should be trying to get the crazy out. I think a Frosty from Wendy's is a dessert, and that's pretty much a milkshake. I don't... That's not a milkshake. No, it's not a milkshake. They give you a fucking spoon. Yeah, that's ice cream. You get a spoon with a root beer float. Do you get a straw with it? Yes. Beverage. But of that fucking Wendy's Frosty, I don't even want one. It's like eating fucking ice cream. That doesn't... That doesn't fall into the shake 
motive for me at all. 866-RON-ZERO-FEST. What's that for? It's the phone number. I don't want to keep this fucking going. I'm trying to solve the problems of the world. G-Tron, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddies. Uh, just your thoughts on the upcoming Olympics. 2012 is not that far away. And Go USA. Going on. Go USA. That's where. How do you I'm, think this might impact uh, the Olympics coming up? It'll be over. It'll be done. You, uh, riots can't ever, go on forever. Have they ever... Yeah, that's true enough. Have they ever postponed an Olympics or anything like that? Do you know? I think they've uh, gotten rid of Olympics over wars. Uh, I know sometimes we won't show up for Olympics. Russia wouldn't come to our Olympics. Uh, but yes, the safety of the athletes we've known since 1972, the safety of the athletes is the utmost importance. They get delayed like 96. There's always going to be security risk around a... Um, of any type of fucking uh, Olympics. You're not going to get around that. You could be living in the most peaceful times ever, and some fucking nut is going to be hanging around the Olympics. Bill Yard Manifest. Hey, Ronnie, I want to know, is a milkshake a standalone item like a blueberry? See, I, this is what I'm, I'm concerned about, and I, I see that that thing, there's 25,000 people already commenting on the uh, Opie cartoon that he put up online. Have you been to it and looked at it, Fez? No, I don't go to those things. Why not? You're the star of it. Yeah, I don't want to look at myself animated in that way. Why? It makes me feel bad. What part? Uh, the part where I'm screwing up talking about the blueberry. The uh, whole thing. I'm concerned the same thing's going to happen with this milkshake. Now, if you go back to that, Opie called it, was it the most cringe-inducing moment in radio history? I you, that was the language. I don't know whether they keep some kind of Guinness World Records, but you can find yourself in there. Um, Mike, you're my face. Hey, the milkshake shit is genius. Um, but my question is, is a blowjob considered foreplay or is that considered sex? Would now, depend on whether you finish or not. Yeah, the jizz. If, um, well, to be as well, blunt as my friend, Chris Stanley, I think if you come, you had sex. Yeah, got some head and came. Uh, if you don't, it's just like, hey, let's just get it rock hard, and then you fucking hop up here. You know, this way I'm not just working on pure concentration. There you go. Suck. But you got to get involved a little bit, darling. Um, let's go over here to um, Mark. Mark, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, Ronnie, I got a question. Have you ever been at a restaurant and, and when a waitress asks you, what you want to drink, and you say, what do you have? I've never heard a waitress say, we got Coke, Pepsi, Sprite, and vanilla milkshakes. Absolutely. If you go, Fez agrees that it's a beverage. You agree that it's a beverage because you can drink oh, it. I agree that you, yeah, and it's, if it's drinkable. Go, it's going to be in the beverage second section, but what he's also saying is because it's a wonderful treat and could be experienced on its own as a treat, does that move it into dessert? And I say no, just because it's a you know a nice sweet fucking beverage for you doesn't make it an exclusive dessert. And the oh, it's the dessert that you can drink during the meal. That's just fucking starting problems. You're just trying to complicate the menu rather than look. If you say to someone, you know what, do you want a dessert? No, not really. Just bring me a milkshake. I'm sure you can get away with it. Sure. I'm sure no, they wouldn't go. No, no, no. 
We don't serve this. Nice black and white milkshake. But delicious. the fact that you can drink it makes it a fucking beverage. There's no sense of even going on. No one's going to arrest you, Fez, for having a milkshake after your burger. But you're wasting your fucking time. Now, I have seen people go, give me a milkshake and a Coke next to it. Yeah, and a Coke's the beverage. No, no. no. Both. Fez, uh, Dave orders four beverages every time. Yeah. Is only one of them the beverage? He always has water, a beer, a Sprite, and a whiskey every time we go out. Yeah. It doesn't make just one of them the beverage. He's got four beverages. Yeah. That would be like saying, oh, which one is a human being? Chris or Fez? Now, the easy answer would be Chris, mm -hmm. because sometimes you act more like a plant. But the truth is, if you're to break it down to biology, you're both human beings. Nice. Um, here's uh, Mike. You're on Fez. Hey, uh, Ron. I just wanted to um, push back on a point that uh, one of the callers made about um, uh, stepping back and being logical about things and realizing that things are okay. I think that we have to realize that that's a very privileged position to have, and we should instead interpret these crises as revealing underlying problems. And we only see them periodically when there's an event like the shooting in London or uh, Hurricane Katrina, and that um, the main problem has to be that there's no political project that is popular that people have instead we only react to these isolated events and the last point i wanted to make is that um there were a lot of protests in vancouver at the last olympics and it's become kind of a site for leftist organizations to get some media coverage they're protesting the influence of corporations uh on the olympics the olympic committee is shady they have, like, no uh, accountability for billions of dollars that they control. And a lot of times when they rebuild these cities, when they build the cities up for the Olympics... It, it's a very good point that the success of the Olympics has, is now a drawback. It's a drawback that what it was supposed to be about was the world slowing down and enjoying sport. Basically having sport... Uh, instead of war as a way for competition. Yeah. Because the modern Olympics are worth so much money now, as is the Super Bowl, World Cup, that all that, hey, where does the money go, has gotten incredibly political. That's all that fucking matters now to these people, and that fucks everything up. I would it think. does. It, it kind of it kind of sucks. It sucks the fun of it, but money will kind of do that. Because I've known you a long time. Yes. I've never once seen you order a milkshake as a dessert. Now, why did you bring it up today? Why do you want this to divide people? I was just, I was looking over some desserts last night. What do you mean looking over desserts like, like it's a boat to buy? Just fucking get one. Well, this was just on the computer because I was wondering... Why would you go to a dessert thing on a computer? What's I, happening in your life? I started thinking, is there a hierarchy of desserts? And then I started looking at ice cream and milkshakes, and I thought, well, the milkshake, I guess that fits into the desserts. But, 
let, let's take it back to, to the first fucking line. Mm-hmm. You're thinking as you're sitting in your house, is there a hierarchy of desserts? Right. What like, do you mean by that? Like, I would think, like, the best desserts are, like, cakes and cake products. Like, cake, cupcakes, that sort of thing is at the top of the dessert chain to where... Well, but the top of the dessert chain is whatever anyone wants. Why are you limit yourself that one dessert should be above the other? Anybody who goes... When I'm with a person who every time they go out, go like this, I have a cheesecake. Like... Not every place has the best fucking cheesecake. Yeah. Why are you ordering cheesecake every fucking time? And why do you order fucking cheesecake down south huh. when you know they don't fucking specialize in it? Why wouldn't you get the local fucking pecan pie or whatever, key lime, yeah. whatever that specialty. person has? So why would we have a hierarchy? Why would one dessert be better than another? Because, like, at celebrations... We birthday celebrations, any retirement party, people get a cake or there's cupcakes. There. Well, that's not dessert. If someone brings a cake to fucking work, are you saying that's a dessert? Oh, yeah. You're having it in the middle of the day with nothing before. Dessert kind of means the last part of the meal. No, I think it's a dessert that you're, ju you're just having a dessert. You're not having any meal around it. You're not paying attention to what the menu means. Like a crab cake could be an appetizer or an entree, right? Yes. So it really only matters where it is on the menu and where you're having the courses. So if you're just having a plain piece of pie, that's not a dessert? That's a piece of pie. That's kind of like a snack. The dessert would have to handle, follow the fucking entree to be a dessert. But if you went in a place and just wanted a, uh, just wanted a piece of pie... You're still going off the dessert menu at that point. It's not a dessert menu. It's just their fucking menu. If you're going into a bakery, right? Mm-hmm. It's like now a bakery. You're just having a snack. A dessert has to follow an entree, in my fucking opinion. Oh, I see. I think any sort of treat becomes a dessert. No, you just used the word. It's a treat. It's not a dessert if you're having it on its own. It's a dessert when it follows the fucking meal. I, I never thought of it. I thought they so. Were you just... think bakeries are only desserts? When you go to a bakery, and there's pies and and like for you, is a donut a dessert? Because I've never, I rarely have a donut as a, as a dessert. I've been in places where they have them, but it's rare. Right, that's a breakfast food. Well, then why can you get it at any time of the day or night? Well, because they they're basically serving breakfast items twenty four hours. But they're not. You can get a pastry. You can get it at a pastry shop. It's a snack. Then, what is this thing that you need all these boxes for stuff? What is this desire to put these food in these boxes? I guess just to find some order in my life. But I was thinking, you know, if what people were serving for dessert. Let me just bring up. You're saying you want order in your life. You know what Chris Stanley was saying about you. Right. That after you ate the five Ron Bennington cupcakes, you shit yourself. I, when you got up and ran into the bathroom. You seemed like you were in a real hurry. You said, my God, right. and then ran into the bathroom. I did not shit myself. Well, then you were in there for a long time. I thought you were. Maybe you were trying to clean up your pants or whatever. I don't know. I was not You were in there myself. for an entire Jenga game at Molly's. By the way, a lot of people um, 
still um, coming into Molly's. Um, if you like, there's a, a restroom where Fez Watley had to clean himself up after shitting. Oh, let me tell you something. You're diabetic. Yes. The Ron Bennington cupcake is extreme. It's powerful. Yeah. Why would you eat five, particularly when I was writing to you, Fez, just a photo op. I want you to put it up <laughs> to your fucking mouth, act like you were having a bite, but not sit there and end up in a cupcake eating contest. It was the crowd. I got into it. You're People were Pat. cheering me on. You're against Pat from Minaki. He is a professional eater. You're not going to beat him. How many did he eat? He ate ten. How fast? In ten minutes. Fuck. A minute a cupcake. A minute a Ron Bennington cupcake. That Ron Bennington cupcake is not something you could even have every day, oh. let alone eat ten in ten minutes. Some heavy shit. I mean, Pat from Minaki is a champion now. I don't think anybody will beat the ten in ten minutes. That can't be beat. I'm just going to say it right now. Can't do I'll it. I'll say to the listeners, you will never walk in there. First of all, if you could eat 10 over an hour, I'd be shocked. <laughs> but 10 in 10 minutes? Pat from Minaki is a god. It's the current house record. Um, here's uh, Hard Rock Johnny. Cupcakes can be eaten at any time. They're not just dessert, Fessy. A cupcake, would you put it in the snack world? Well, it depends. Like, I mean, if you go to, like, a gourmet place like Molly's, it could be considered dessert, but a Hostess cupcake, like, you know, in the little package, that's a snack. Yeah, you can eat like that in the car. or a ring oh, ding. Yeah. You know, those kind of things are, like, those are snacks. But even though, if you go to Molly's, the chances are, like, some people go to eat places in the village and then walk over to Molly's and have, like, a cupcake and a coffee. That's nice. That's dessert, then. But, like, I agree with you, Ron. Dessert really... It's not a, it's what follows the meal. So if I went out to dinner and I had a bag of Doritos after dinner, then that's a dessert. I mean, I had Doritos for dessert. I, here's something that kind of grosses me out. It's along the same thing. I don't like people to sit down and have a coffee like with a sandwich. If I see somebody having a coffee and a hamburger. That's weird. That's and yet, that's bizarre. very standardized. What? Particularly when you watch old movies, they would always have coffee and a burger. Always. What? What kind of crazy shit was that? Get a cold beverage. Well, they felt like a man wouldn't sit down and drink a Coca-Cola. <laughs> it would almost be like a kid drinking a, like drinking a lemonade. That's weird. Um, Gross. A hot, a hot beverage really is tough to drink with a meal like that. I mean, like... How does it quench the thirst? It can't possibly. You're, you're eating a hamburger. You got the bun. You got fries, even. And you're washing it down with hot coffee? Yeah, but here's the weird thing for you. I've had people say that, like, technically, a Coca-Cola will never quench your thirst. That the only thing that can quench a thirst is water. The water that you're getting. Like, so an iced tea quenches your thirst because of the water on it, not the tea. So really, if you're drinking anything other than water, it's not a thirst quencher. A beer only works because of the water in the beer. Oh, hell yeah. Right, but coffee's made with water. Yeah, so you're right. So it's you know, the I same mean, exact everything. thing. Everything's really made with water, you know, that you drink. It's, you know, whether it, there's got to be some water in there. Yeah, but so. concrete is made with water, and you can't drink it, Johnny. <laughs> oh, that would be pretty rough. <laughs> I, I mean, beverages that you really should drink, not like concrete. I mean, I don't think anyone really ever drank concrete. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. All right, now, Johnny, Maybe. you you are in charge of the menu there at the Hard Rock. Uh, yeah, sort of, kind of, yeah. 100%. Sure. Do you, Where do you put the milkshake? 
Milkshakes are, I believe, within our dessert menu. So All right, Fezzi wins okay. on that one. Wow. Fezzi wins on that one. I stand corrected. But you could also have a milkshake with your meal. So it's not really dessert. It's something that you can have at any time. Or you can just come in and have a milkshake. So That's the way that I, I will normally have one, too. Like, if I have a milkshake, like, if I go to an ice cream parlor, I'm only going to have a milkshake if I'm walking down the street. Ooh. And then here's the weird thing. If I do get a milkshake, I'm like, I should have got a fucking ice cream. What am I, nuts? <laughs> I always end up fucking kicking my ass. I mean, because you look at how much ice cream they put into a milkshake, right? Yeah. And it never feels as full. Uh, it never seems to me as filling as, like, if you had an ice cream cone with the same amount of ice cream on it. Mm. I would I just, I think a cone or a, I don't know, I'm not a big cone guy. I'd rather have it in a cup, to be honest, but. I think that it tastes a little better coming out of the cone than it does in the milkshake. I'm going to agree 100% there. I'm gonna... And the cone is always really the best part. With the Whoever invented part the cone is like the greatest fucking genius oh, yeah, that the really world's is. ever seen. So good. It's a, it's something, it's a fucking edible container. It's fucking <laughs> phenomenally smart. Now, a lot of times now, if you go to a really nice restaurant, they'll give you this tiny little cone. At yeah. the end of a meal, too. Oh, really? I mean, it's really fucking little. It's not even like... A miniature it, fucking Yeah, cone. it's like really miniature. It's all about the flavors. Oh. Yeah, I mean, who, but that's not really an ice cream cone. That's kind of like a confectionery type of a thing. More of a, like a candy kind of thing, don't you think? Mm. Well, it's kind of like the best part of the cone. They're just giving you that tip at the end. By the way, Gaz <laughs> said the definition of dessert, the dictionary definition, specifically says served at the end of the meal. Johnny, get that. It's 1970s calling. <laughs> I knew Someone it. wants their coffee. Sound the like burger. fucking Bob Newhart's phone going off. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen again. Johnny, how's Earl working out? He's doing great. Earl's a great employee. We're very happy to have him here. When does he get to fly on his own a little bit? Or is he still in training? Uh, he's still going through some training, and, and the whole. Vibe manager thing is we're waiting for some of the technology pieces to kind of get uh, up to speed here. Got an iPod. Have it here, so it'll be I'd say probably another month or so till we'll be able to start really get you know getting some good programming in. Well, when he's the full time vibe manager, I'm coming over and hanging. And we'll make sure we have a good vibe for Ronnie. I mean, yeah, fucking Ronnie, know me, know where my head's at. I'd like to line up some different kinds of tour groups just to watch the vibe change as one group comes in and the other goes out. Well, why don't you do that, Fez? Just You'll put them through the paces. Well, let's see you do it. You'll be in charge of setting up tour groups. <laughs> That's a good job. I like that idea, Fez. Yeah. It, was, it actually was, you know, I had a dinner with, with Eddie the other night with Mr. Trunk, and I was telling him about uh, the Earl thing, and he was kind of confused at first that I hired Earl, and I kind of explained the whole thing, and he said that the whole thing that Earl is going to be doing is kind of counter to what Earl always talks about, where he's going to be looking at a group and trying to decide what they want to listen to, and that's kind of anti-Earl, anti-the-whole-BRC thing that he does, where, you know, the whole looking at a group and saying, oh, those kids might really like rap, but really the same, they may like Metallica. So it's, it's an interesting thing. With so Earl. you're saying it's almost like girls a sellout now, playing to the masses yeah. instead of laying the new shit on them. That's right. No, I think that I don't. I don't think I said that. What a fucking sellout Earl turned out to be. <laughs> that's what Eddie said. I didn't yeah. say that. But you know, it, you know that Eddie Trunk has a lot of opinions. Tell Eddie you should tweet about UFO more. <laughs> <laughs> Tell 
He was saying that he was forcing his daughter to stop listening to Gaga in the car and start rocking the UFO. We, 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 did you see the pictures of her? She has pictures of her hanging out with Phil Collin backstage going to see Def Leppard with Eddie. He's trying to break her of the Gaga curse. Uh, you got to let a kid be a kid, though. Yeah, he, I think he's kind of, you know... I think he's resolved to the fact that she's a kid and she's going to like Lady Gaga at this point and not, you know, she wants to have a Lady Gaga birthday party, apparently. I don't think she's going to be having, like, a UFO or Blue Murder birthday party. <laughs> it's true. I don't know why, you know, parents always want to tr change their kid. you got to let them have their time. Like what I like. Yeah. <laughs> Although my dad was trying to blast Tennessee Ernie Ford around me, I'm like, Pop, it's not fucking happening. I gotta glam this up a little bit. <laughs> I need some Mata Hoople. All right, Johnny. All right, boy. When are you coming it. down to Molly's? I gotta figure that out. I'm going away next week, so it'll probably be after that. But I had a nice chat with Mike the other day about trying to help Matt with a few things. So we'll see what we can. Maybe he'll help you out. Maybe that's the way it's gonna fucking yeah, you go. Like that. Maybe we'll get you back up and running. That's I don't know. Cupcakes aren't what I really need right now. Uh, make know. sure. Here's what I gotta do. I gotta let people know when when Mike's in New York or when Mike's in. Chicago, because you're always going to get the VIP treatment when Mike's around. Oh, definitely. The man knows how to treat people. Thank you. All right, Johnny. All right, boy. See ya. I mean, it's like the Hard Rock. If I go to the Hard Rock and Johnny's not there, I feel like I missed out. Although Liam tells me that he went into Chicago, and basically he's acting like they gave him a lap dance. <laughs> oh, he loved it. You guys should see the cute girls in Chicago. They're amazing. And they're rocking some Irish girls there again nice. this summer. Wow, he knows and the that Irish thing. girls love to step out after. You know what I mean? Like have a couple, maybe? Like Mike doesn't have one of these things of I don't want you dating the customers. <laughs> he thinks that, that, that that's his way of being a vibe manager. It's a nice, a nice feeling. <laughs> it adds. Zito, which one of the girls did you like the best? Uh, I think the girl with the Australian accent. She was great. Hicks for you? Oh, they were all wonderful. Can't pick one. I dug the girl I thought would be perfect for you, though. The girl who wore a baseball cap backwards. Oh, it was just all black? Yeah. <laughs> she kind of brought, like, a little, like, gothy thing. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, Stormy. Oh, the I don't know, though. Stormy. I wouldn't want to pick yet. I definitely want to get Mike to bring a bunch of the girls up one day. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. The Australian one going to come? Yes. Okay. Why don't you do this? You keep an eye on when... There's like somebody coming into the building that would impress those kind of young street girls that age. Those young little club girls. girls. But you know what I'm saying? No, no I know exactly what you're Because saying, yeah. they're not fucking like bathing suit. They're like fucking hip girls. No, yeah, without a doubt, yeah. They're like club girls. Mm-hmm. Mike fucking just gets them out of nowhere. I don't know why, how he does it. He's I, got the eye. I don't want to talk about the Molly's girls, but they beat up Gavin uh, DeGraw the other oh, day. Oh, my God. We got to get them out of the city then. I don't want the cops raiding the place. Which one of them was driving a cab? And then Boom Boom was there. <laughs> yeah. She's a character. Fucking rocks on Cupcake Wars. <laughs> All right, Fez. Um, I think that we uh, were have to agree to disagree and agree to agree on our debate. Okay. I still think beverage... Um, but when he said dessert menu, I'm not going to fight with a man who runs his own fucking restaurant chain. Tom, you're on Fez. Hey, Fezzy. Yes. When you were in the bathroom for a long time, were you throwing up the cupcakes? 
and do that. I was just, I had gotten a little sick to my stomach, so I needed some time alone. So and the Ron can, Bennington cupcake is so bad you threw it up? No, no, I oh just needed God. some Did you throw oh up? Oh, my God. If you didn't throw up, then I'm proud of you. If you did throw up, you puked in a fucking restaurant where beautiful gourmet cupcakes are served. That's, That's right. an embarrassment to me. And I did hear about some stank being in the bathroom. Oh, the and I was hoping it was just from shite. Shading. Not just dirty fucking stomach acid. Oh, that vomit. stink was not from me. I just ha I had some acid reflux. He vomited. When you were running, you were squeezing your cheeks together. Everybody watched you run. I just you, am I a mean, bad runner. A let's go this way. You're a grown man. You ever see a man have to run to the bathroom unless there's uh, a shit's coming out of yeah, it. or at least a shart. <laughs> oh, no. at the very least. Yeah, Fez. Here's the thing. I'm proud of you for what you did on Friday. Thank you. You went down there. You're dressed as a cupcake. You went against a competitive eater, but you never should have eaten five peanut butter, chocolate, and, of course, uh, butterscotch cupcakes. Five of them in ten minutes is insane. And that's all you ate that day? Well, I had um, three other cupcakes before that. I was just trying different ones. Why would you do that when you know you're going to competitive eat? Everything just smelled and looked so delicious. And people were... And why does he live read? Cupcakes. Why do you fucking go into a live read instead of being a person? You immediately went into live read mode, and that's when everyone goes, I'm shutting it down. No, those cupcakes... Are I couldn't resist. Um, well, there's a way of making up. We haven't done this in probably a couple weeks. You want to give away something big and play What's in the Box? Oh, fuck yeah. I saw you with the box. Who's in the box? Oh, uh, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? This is a chance that we will put one of our prizes. Normally, I will just tell you this. It's about one of the celebrities that come in here. It's going to be signed by that celebrity. Huge. Fucking huge. A collectible, if you will. Uh, it could be from the Ron and Fez show. It could be from Ron Bennington interviews. Could be from the Unmasked show. You get to ask us one question. Yep. And then you have to guess. What's in the fucking box? Oh, uh, what's in the box? What's in the box? Zaguetti's head. Oh, uh, what's in the box? John Doe's got the upper hand. It's really good. It's really fucking good when you do that. So you get one question, and then you have to guess what's in the box. Now I'm going to go. Do you have a library to do here, Fez? Some movie you're acting like you're excited about or any of those things yes i do then do your live read voice do your live read voice then sell 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 like you're ed mcmahon but when it's just me and you talk talk to me okay thank you i was waiting at the end of that pause i didn't know what i was in the attention had built up so big i was gonna thought i was gonna finally get to hear fuck you ronnie oh, bass i'm sitting there Fucking talking about a cupcake named after you, and you got to fuck with me on it? Mm. Fuck you, Ronnie B. Oh, boy. That's what I was hoping for. Fuck Ron Bennington. Oh. Because I could handle it from you, Fez, if you needed to say it. Why don't you try saying it? I don't like saying that. All right, thanks for going with the bit. All right, we break. We're back playing What's in the Box. Your chance to win a real collectible. It's a Ron and Fez show. Ron Bennington. Fez Watley. Ron and Fez. On the virus. Now, 
Yeah, buddies. Getting ready to play What's in the Box. I will say this. I'm not one of those guys who likes or needs to have signed stuff. Like, I never ask any of the guests to sign something for me. But this is one of the ones I would like yeah. signed. Oh, without a doubt. And to me, it's because this item kind of comes signed a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. You know, beyond, like, when you ask people to sign posters, which is kind of weird. This item is, I think, a traditionally signed thing. Yeah. By the way, I'm looking on uh, the Twitter, and I don't think this has ever been said before, oh. but someone uh, wrote, LT is making me LOL, talking about Lady Trucker. She did a Fez joke. Uh, but have you ever heard? No. Never? No. You have got to wonder the mind of a person who would laugh out loud at something that Lady Trucker has. I mean, seriously, that would be enough for me to seek help. It's an, a literal LOL. An LLOL. That's fucking mind-shattering from the LT. Insane. I never thought... Now I'm starting to believe in end times. Oh, shit. Now I believe we're at the end times. This is the clincher. Or a clincher. Oh, as oh. Fez did when he was holding his ass cheeks together. All right, it's time to play... Uh, uh, what's in the box? What's in the box? I'll show you with the box. What was in the box? What's in the fucking box? That's when he really loses it. Uh, what's in the box? Really pissed. You put together a little something on this, have right, Chris? right next to the boxes in the yellow. This is very, very unusual. This is a what's in the box intro now. It's time to play everyone's favorite guessing game. Oh, uh, what's in the box? Where you have to figure out... What's in the fucking box? California, stay away from here. Ruby. Stay away from me now. Don't, don't, don't come in here. John Doe has the upper hand. John Doe has the upper hand. Let me hear you do it, big man. California. John Doe's got the upper hand. Put that gun down. It's really good. Thank you. Uh, so you get to ask one question. That's it, just one. And then you have to guess. Uh, what's in the box? All right, so all these questions, we will only give you a yes and no answer. So, for instance, you could say, is this somebody from the field of rock and roll? Or is it a DVD? Mm -hmm. Or is this person a comedian? Obviously, one of those things, I wouldn't have said it up that way. <laughs> um... Randy, what's your question before you guess? Is this a sports figure? It is not a sports figure. Now, Randy... Oh, what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? I'll say a Ron Bennett and Cupcake. Uh, sorry. Mm -mm. I need you to be on the yes, on the nose there, too, would you? Sure. I can't, uh, you know, I mean, I don't have 17 fucking uh, arms here. It's not a spider game. Uh, Floyd, we know it's not a sports figure. What's your question? What's in the fucking box? What's in the fucking box? Yeah. Is it a comedian? It's not a comedian. Yeah. It's not a sports figure. What's in the fucking box? What's in the box? Is it Fez's hat? No. Now, we're telling you this is a collectible from a fine, fine celebratory person that I believe this is one of those things that will be a collectible 50 a hundred years from now. Without a doubt. This guy, this person. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Shane, what game do you want to play? What's in the 
fucking back. What's in the fucking box? What game do you want to? Uh, what's your question, Shane? Um, is it a musician? Not a musician. Is it a pair of Fez's underwear? It is not. Boy, a lot of people are, uh, you know, guessing silly shit about Fez. I wish they wouldn't. No. Because they're going to get this. So we know it's not a comedian. Mm -mm. We know it's not a... Uh, we know it's no one from the, uh, an entertainer in the normal sense of the word. No. Come on, people. I'll think. say this. I think it's somebody a little more literate than that. Mike, what game do you want to play? Oh, we lost you. Brad, what game do you want to play? Ask your question, Brad. Uh, is it a singer? It's not a singer. <laughs> you want to try to guess? Uh, is it a uh, DVD? Um, <laughs> a little more literary than that. Uh, Tommy on the Run and Face show. What's in the box? I saw you with the box. What was in the box? Ask your question, Tom. Is it a book? It is a book. Who is the Mel author Brooks. and what is Mel he Brooks. signed? Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. <laughs> now, you have to remember this. Mel Brooks has never done our show. So when somebody <laughs> that has done our show has been on uh, Ron Bennington interviews, not once, but twice. Look at those clues. And this is one of his great books. Oh, yeah. As we play. Oh, what's in the box? Ryan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, can I tell you what's in the fucking box? What's in the fucking box? Sure, go ahead. Uh, DVD collection. No, we know it's a book. <laughs> we oh, know it's a book. Build on the other people's clues. That's a great idea, Fez. To build on their clues rather than starting at ground zero every <laughs> single the time. Clean. Is it a human? <laughs> yes. DVD collection? No. no. Then is it a DVD collection of still no dogs? Because <laughs> you never said whether it was human or not. Doug, what game do you want to play? Uh, what's in the box? Uh, what's in the box? Uh, is it uh, an actor? All right, look. Uh, to everybody on hold, I know it's hard to pay attention. It's a fucking writer. This is a book. It's a famous writer who signed his book. That is exactly... What's in the fucking box? That's in the fucking box. Oh, he didn't know. Quick question. Is this a TV show? No. Is this the one case that's out of the box and is it a spaceship, Captain? No. I'm loving the repartee. Loving it. Jumping in. Cheyenne, what game do you want to play? What's in the box, man? Oh, what's in the box? Is the first letter in her name J? J? J. No, do you want to take a guess? Yeah, Bob Newhart. All right. Let me say something to all you cockfucks, and I'm going to take it from the beginning. Turn the music down so they can understand me completely. It's an author, a celebrated author, not a celebrity who wrote a fucking bio about themselves. Celebrated. And this is 
an author that's well-respected all over the world, particularly here in the United States of America. He's been on twice. He's done the show twice. Mike. Yeah. What game you want to play? What's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? Is it a standalone box? <sighs> Mike, you know it's a book. Do you want to take a guess? Yeah. Uh, is it How to Cook with Blueberries? Tom, what game you want to play? What's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? Okay. I love how this screener goes, don't say anything bad about Fez. That's all everybody does. What a bunch of pricks. Uh, it's an author. Is it? Uh, it's a book. Is it uh, Albert Brooks's book? Nice try. <laughs> nice try. Because you know we have that one. Ian, what game do you want to play? What's in the box? Uh, what's in the box? Does this author have more than one best-selling book? Yes. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Most authors do have more than one best-selling book. Yeah. Todd, you're on the Run Fez show. Yes, I'd like to play What's in the Fucking Box? What's in the Fucking Box? What's in the Fucking Box? <laughs> Is it a uh, non-fiction or fiction book? Well, you'd have to ask one of those questions. Is it fiction? Yes. Is it Chuck Palahniuk? Mm-hmm. So far, oh. you are correct. Now, just name the book. Uh, Choke. <laughs> Beautiful! God! Greatest day of my life. Better be. First of all, I'm going to say this to you. You've won a family heirloom. Because nice. Chuck Polonick is a fabulous writer. Amazing. Signed this book. Uncle. What's that? He's actually my uncle. That's Then you could have got this at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I like to call him Uncle Chuck anyway. But is it really your uncle? No, I lie sometimes, Ron. Okay. I don't blame you. Um, but choke. I'm gonna say something a little controversial here. I know. Yep. Kind what are you gonna guess then? Better than Fight Club? I was gonna say worse. Oh. Why? You think it's better? I think it's better than Fight Club. I enjoyed it better than Fight Club. I like them both very, very much. Yeah. But I love choke. I love. There's that some book. really weird shit in choke. It's great. Just the the whole thing is just amazing. And the right, twist so or whatever. I'm not gonna say anymore. I don't know if I have read it or not. Well, I don't know what you're mumbling to us. I know that occasionally I'll hear a verb in there. <laughs> I'll hear a lot of mumbling and then a verb. Yeah. All right, well, congratulations. Your chance of playing, uh... Oh, what's in the box? I'll show you with the box. Who's in the box? What's in the fucking box? That's a game that we'll play every once in a while. Poor dead unborn with Paltrow, baby. Um... Boy, you know what? I'm looking over on the on the Twitter. People were sending in Fight Club, signed by Chuck Palahniuk, and I expected him to say Fight Club. Yeah, I was when he chucked the dude choke out there though. All right, so a nice prize. No, I lie sometimes, Ron. So we actually have to tell our phone screener to tell people 
uh, what's not not to make fun of Fess. I don't think there's ever been another fucking. So the guy is laughing and says, "I was told not to make fun of Fess." I suppose so. I wasn't in there. I'm guessing. I that. just told him to stop saying stupid shit. Cause I look, I admire you for it. I admire you for it. They got your flanks, Fezzy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. In what way? Just, I just literally, I don't know what's happening in there <laughs> if I'm not in there. <laughs> These kids are doing great. They're, they're a great gang. I don't know if Nonami is working on a new um, thing. I hope that he is. I think the wheels are always turned with him. I don't know if Spanky Frank's got late again. I'm hoping that happens for him. Hopefully. Somewhere. But they've been a great, great uh, thing of interns. Very solid. Very solid crew. Now, I believe after the semester, O&A's weird time is over and they're able to get interns back. I believe so, yeah. They finally... The ban is lifted. They called it a band of gold. Wow. Here's the very funny LOL Lady Trucker. What is it, Lady Trucker? Oh, Mr. Bennington, I was wondering what's in my box today. I'm going to guess a battleship. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Ron and Fez show. Uh, I have ignored Chris Stanley for almost the entire show today. Hey. And that's my fault, because I know people love to hear from him. Oh, that's good. What's in Chris's wheelhouse? Where are we going there with Chris's wheelhouse? In Chris's wheelhouse today, there's controversy with a woman in Las Vegas who's been going to the same store in Texas for the last, say, 15 years, and they feel like she's gamed the lottery. She's won $20 million on scratch-offs from the same fucking store in some little Texas town in the last 15 years. And she's won over $20 million. She lives in Vegas. And so she's like, she, she's, she'll get on a fucking plane. And go to this, this fucking this same little, this same little mini-mart and buy, the, buy tickets. Be, and I, she's a... T -t 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 statistics PhD from Stanford. So people are thinking that she somehow figured out some sort of algorithm on the fucking scratch-offs. Alright. Now let's just try to play the logic game with this. Yeah. It would only be an inside man, right? I mean, she's got to have somebody helping her at that one place. Because why would any one store do better with scratch-offs than others? Apparently, uh, there's, an, there's an algorithm involved and it's where they place t winning tickets. Okay. That's part of it. It's also in specific places they'll send winning tickets. But here's what always bothers me. If you can figure that out, then why is that cheating? I've always been offended by anyone who thinks that card counting is cheating. It's just getting really good at the game. Yeah. It's just figuring it out and winning at it, which no one wants you to do. So somehow she knows that there's one little store. Yeah. You've got a better chance... No, she's going in there buying tons of these tickets? I'm guessing, yeah. And she's, she's buying shitloads of tickets and then hitting. She's hit for like $10 million on one ticket or fucking $3 million. It's added up to $20 million over the last like 15 years. All scratch-offs. You, you would think to her, once that she got to a certain point, she would say, I need to fucking stop this before the whip comes down. Yeah. But they can never walk away, can they? All right, I need somebody in mathematics. By the way, I never even was familiar with the term algorithms till the great TV show Numbers on CBS, where he used math to fight crime. That's right, yeah. And was actually a much better cop than his own FBI brother, who was going like this all the time. Wait, tell me this again? Wait, so how does this work? So you added stuff up, 
But I'm having a, a hard time believing. Like, I could see if she could figure it out and be able to hit, like, seven or eight stores or certain places. But to just to hit one store over and over. Because let's face something here. If it was one store that gave away $20 million in 15 years, that would still seem crazy to me. I wonder, can you find another store who's had that kind of winnings? There are stores, I know I saw a map for the New York area of certain stores that hit a lot. That there's maps and there's people, like in most bodegas here in the city at least that I know of, they'll put up all their winning tickets for big cash. They'll right, put up but signs, what... but like, I, I've seen like maybe $5,000 at the most, and it's one sign in the window. Like, let's say this. Do you think, other than somebody who's given away one grand prize of, you know, like the regular, the big lottery, yeah. right? Do you think any store in New York has given away twelve, uh, $20 million in 15 years? I I'd be shocked so. to hear yeah, that. I don't think so. I'd be shocked to hear that. Um, here's John in Texas. You're on Fez. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, that's uh, right down the road for me. And uh, I actually knew somebody that knew this lady and says she goes in there and will drop just ungodly amounts of money just buying rolls and rolls of these damn scratch-offs. So they've and known about think, this woman for a lot of years. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think she won her first million like a 95 or something like that. It's been a while. And um, and what it, town it, are we talking about? And where's it close to? It's uh, Bishop, Texas. It's in between uh, Kingsville and Corpus Christi. And, it, you know, there's really not a whole lot there. It's a small, like, two-way school. I mean, it's, you know, so she. All right, so let's look at it this way. She is practically the only person playing there, right? No, I mean, you know, there's, you know, probably like, you know, 8,000 population total. But it, it's you see the store, and it's a shitty-looking store. Yeah, but Not you got to very... figure out of 8,000 people, how many of them play scratch-off? Ah, more than you think. It tends to... Well, well let's take a guess. Do you think 800 people play there? Uh, at least. I mean, it's, it's on a major interstate. I mean, you got people stopping, passing through, picking up scratch-offs, some beer, who knows? See, that's what we need to do, is break this down and figure it out. Because at some fucking point, um, you've got to say to yourself, I don't fucking know, somebody in that fucking store is dirty. So the stores always get a bonus, too, if a winning ticket sold at their store. What's Not their a bonus, lot. though? I think 1% or something. Maybe less than that, actually. Maybe 10% of 1%. It's dicey, though. She says she's just very lucky. <laughs> right, somebody wrote to us, really throwing around the phrase, respected Arthur. Yeah, he's respected. Yeah, what the fuck? Let's see your fucking book. Everybody shits. And not even be able to put in the S and have to put an X in. <laughs> um, Gorilla Bob says, I'm wondering if she uh, spent $12 million to win $10 million. Oh, boy. Um, here's Paul, Strong Island. Hey, guys. Yeah. What I used to do is I used to just, uh, I worked at a deli. It's pretty boring. So what I used to do when I wasn't drinking beers in the back, I'd just get a whole roll of scratch-offs, scratch them off. Once I'd win, I'd pay off the ones I'd scratched off. And it was just like a never-ending, you know, cycle. 
Did you ever get yourself really deep deep in the hole, though? No, no. I once in a while I have to kick in my own money or actually their money, <laughs> but uh, no. You, you've got to be the worst employee in the history of <laughs> fucking. My buddy got fired for this same exact thing, <laughs> and I'd just hang out there, there with him, just scratching. <laughs> yeah. Wait till you fucking hit. <laughs> All right, guys. I right, peace. You know, this is why in those stores they've got to aim a camera at the fucking guy who works there. Oh, yeah. This is Bay Ridge. Just hang out there, drink free beer, and fucking hit I'm always amazed, off. like, when you hear about those places that have a fucking thing open and um, the guy won't fucking give over money. He's like, no, I won't do it. I'd give over everything. Just fucking take it. You're going to blast it in the face. It's fucking crazy. I was uh, in a fucking hotel one time when a guy walked in with a shotgun and fucking pointed it. And uh, he literally, this is how fucking, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. He went back and put on like a hunting cap so that he would fucking <laughs> look like he was a hunter. He fucking points the gun. He's all fucking wired out. And I'm saying like, uh, hey, dude, I got, you know, let's get in the register. And he's fucking screaming. I just want respect. I just want respect. And apparently there was like a a bar and a fucking got his fucking ass beat by some bouncers. Shit. He didn't know where he was fucking coming back to get stuff, so he was screaming, I just want some respect. I'm like this. I do fucking respect you, man. I respect what it fucking takes to come walking in here the way you do. Perfect. We ought to grab this money, take it out to your fucking car. And consider this dude, this whole thing even. And he ended up fucking leaving and heading next door. And I was a kid when this happened, right? Okay. Here's what fucking dawns on me. I didn't even call 911. This was how, like, hey, I want to stay out of this. Yeah. Like, after he left, I was fucking just standing. I was like, that was fucking weird. And I'm like, whoa, what if he comes back? And I'm like putting a fucking lock on the door. I'm like, he'll fucking shoot his way yeah. through this. Fuck this. How do I get out? Why this is happening? I see other people running. I'm like, oh yeah, I probably should have fucking warned that they had a guy heading over there with a fucking shotgun. That's fucking hysterical. But I don't know why anybody was like, no, you can't have the money in here. No, I need Fuck. this. dude, let's get this money. Let's get it into your car immediately. Yeah. And let's get you on your way. Just get away from me. Yeah, exactly. Like I give a fuck about their money. Fuck that shit. It's insurance or whatever. Whatever. I'll be glad to be fired. Uh, here's Brian and Queen, German Fuzz. Hey, what's up, boys? I used to work at this gas station when I was 18. I worked the overnight shift on Friday nights, and we had one of those uh, lottery ticket vending machines. And I figured out how to take out the back panel, and we used to just take all the tickets out, just me and my one boy. I used to win 500 on a ticket, 600, 700, and just go to different stores throughout Queens, cashing them in. Nice. Mm, you didn't stay there long, huh? What's that? You didn't stay there long, right? No, they, they figured it out that someone was robbing the machine, but they never really called me out on it, but they fired me anyway. Mm. Uh, Terry, you're on running fence. Hi, uh, yeah, the woman, the way she probably did it, uh, there was a guy in Canada figured all this out, and uh, it's on the bingo and the honeycomb tickets, the ones where it shows the numbers that you have to get on one side. And then you have to scratch off and see the numbers that you actually have on one side. And uh, he posted it to his website. What he does is he'll buy a big pack of these tickets and a bunch of money on it. 
and you uh, just go through the ticket and pick out on, like, the bingo, uh, you would pick out the one where there's only a single number, a number that shows up one time in the game. Well, if you have numbers that only show up one time in that whole game throughout a line or whatever you have to do to win, then that's more than likely a winner. And some stores will actually take back unscratched tickets. So he could just take the winner and send back the unscratched ticket. I see this becomes the fucking problem with this. When you start to do this, instead of gambling, it's just like having a job. Oh yeah, it's work. Yeah. <laughs> that's why like uh, one thing that you will learn from this Take the Money and Run show is, like, you really don't have the gumption to be a full-time fucking criminal. Because if you're a full-time criminal, you could never leave your work at home. You know, like, when you're a fucking drug dealer, yeah. you're looking out for the cops, you're looking out for other fucking getting beat, you're fucking doing math, you're looking to collect. You're constantly And working. if you can't fucking collect it for that guy, it's not like you can call the cops and say, look... I gave him a fucking quarter ounce, and I haven't seen him in two weeks. You know, you're doing that. By the time that's over, you should have opened up a fucking store for yourself. <laughs> no, without a doubt, you're learning all these fucking skills to fucking actually run a fucking business. You're running a business 24 hours a day. And if you think that you're going to rob banks or whatever, you're going to put so much prep time into that. Then you've got the stress of it. You got to pull off the operation. Then you got to make sure nobody fucking talks. You spend the money in the right way. And again, it becomes a 24-hour-a-day fucking job. You'd be so much better off if you did fucking start some kind of a company. No, without a doubt. You are not fucking relaxing if you find yourself a fucking criminal. Even a fucking nickel-and-dime criminal. <laughs> you know, you're constantly thinking of shit. Uh, we need to break before the end of the show here. All right, we'll break it. We'll come back and wrap it up. Fez, you've already gotten a couple good things on here today. Mm-hmm. Do you got one more in you? Or do you just want to say I'm cashing out? No, uh, I think they're... You're going to risk it all? I'm going to risk it all. Mm. I'm going to push all in. On uh, Kanye West and some comments he made. All right, so let me guess. They sound pretty nutty. Yes. All right, that's a no one. Because normally... He's an even together guy. Uh, did he say that Bush doesn't like black people and doesn't like to help them? He said that before, but he didn't say it again. That's not what this is. All right, this is something zany Kanye West has uh, said. Let me tell you this. Wait till he gets his money right. Because no one's going to tell him wrong from right. Ron Fed Show. The virus. Ron and Fez. The Ron and Fez Show. I was just answering the phones for Ron and Fez. A job that really takes a lot and hurts my head. And then some jerk called with a phony name like Chris. Oh, uh oh.
a beautiful song done by the Radio Shark by our own no-name intern, Noname. Noname. They call him over on uh, Jennifer's channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could talk about that a long time. I know that we're very short on time here. And Fez, you wanted to talk about Kanye West because he apparently says something crazy, insane, wacky. Yeah, he said that when he's uh, walking through airports, when he's traveling, he says people look at him like he's fucking insane. All right, can like, I ask you a thing and not curse so much because I'd like to resell these tapes to Terrestrial Radio? That is a quote. Just because it quotes... So he said people look at him like he's effing insane, like he's... That sounds babyish. Like he's Hitler. Right. So I think this is a real misuse of the Hitler name-calling. Uh, do you think you need to invade Poland before you can compare yourself to Hitler? Well, I think Hitler gets used, you know, uh, Giuliani got called Hitler. By who? Uh, people in New York that... What people? Uh, people who thought he was cracking down on too many things. Give me a specific person. Um, I don't know a specific person. Okay, so that's hearsay. Right. Mm. So, it's so your point is this. You're not so mad at Kanye West for saying that people think that he's insane, just saying that he says that he's like Hitler. Right, I think, well, granted, Hitler was crazy, but crazy like a fox but i think it's more of a dictator insult than a crazy insult so you think that the only people that can be compared to hitler are other dictators yeah i mean, you know like you know hugo chavez is acting like hitler what? how about could you say obama acts like hitler i think i think people have said that well people have said to kanye acts like hitler we're trying to find out what is the new um, thing that you want your new rule for the future yeah. who can be compared to Hitler can only heads of state um, no not just heads of state but anyone who's acting like a tyrant well that would have been Kanye West so in the world of music he makes a lot of demands yeah. he tries to run the charts i.e. Hitler I think that if you want to do it for your thing you're going to have to keep it as head of state. And aren't you worried about making the Jews mad? Do you have to do something against the Jews to be compared to Hitler? Chris Stanley? Yes. Mark Zito? Yes. Uh, two yeses. Fez Watley? I would say no. Man, that was going to be a quick pass. <laughs> Gypsies? The homos? Yeah. See, Hitler went after a lot of minorities. After a lot of people. What was the largest minority you went after? The Jews. Kanye hates gypsies. Gypsies, tramps, and thieves. Also, he has no And I don't know if people are looking at him like he's Hitler when he walks through an airport. They're probably looking at him like, oh shit, there's Kanye West. Well, they might. What he's saying is they're not happy to see him. There's that douche, Kanye West. You know, like you can be recognized, <laughs> but people aren't happy to see you. He's a gay fish. I think that's what he means by that. Because of fish sticks. Because <laughs> he likes fish sticks. That's yeah. the only reason. Fish. <laughs> uh, Nick, you're on Fez. Good afternoon, boys. Uh, Fezzy, uh, there were a lot of comparisons to George Bush being a Nazi and being Hitler-like. How'd you feel about them? I heard even Fez himself use that phrase. 
Yeah, I would say that fit. That falls under head head of state. But you said it wasn't just head of states. And he liked Jews, I think. Well, of course he does, because they're going to lead our way into the return of Christ. Yeah. When their battle takes place between um, angels from heaven and angels from hell. What the... And then 66,000 of us will be drug up into the sky. How can... Once Jerusalem's recaptured... How can hell have, dev- have d- angels? They, where are they flying? Well, all on the ground? Hell was fucking started by an angel. But these are fallen angels, though. Can they still fly or whatever? Well, you can't... It doesn't matter whether you can fly or not fly if you're not real. So, yes, in this case, they certainly can. Oh, all right. I never thought fallen meant you lost your wings. You meant fall for the grace of God. Yeah. Great you didn't think that they were... Uh, Fell out of favor. Right. They weren't clipped wings. Not literally falling. All right, Fuzzy, I thought you did really good today. I think the Kanye thing, I don't think you had a, a great place to go with it. I mean, it was... Some of this stuff, it's just a big sweep and then you nitpick. But I'm going to give you an incomplete on that. And just thought it wasn't enough to worry about. Um, the unmasked shows, I'm just pointing out to people that because of Sirius uh, and some other ways that they're looking for audiences, these things are blowing up so big. So make sure that when we announce these, you get in very early on them now. We're not, it's not going to be as easy of us to say, yeah, you're in, as in the past. Uh, if it was up to me, we'd be doing these in larger venues. And we may have to go back to doing that. But uh, we should announce it unmasked. If not tomorrow, then by the end of the week. And I know it's one that you guys are going to uh, enjoy because of the channel that you're listening to. That's right. Uh, and then a couple more cool guests coming up uh, next week as well. Hicks, you seem to be on a roll lately. Everybody for a while said Hicks is like a oh, fuck up and he's not paying attention Who to the things. fuck is saying that? Kanye West. Oh, fuck him. Hitler ass motherfucker. See, it just happened now again. We, we're trying to get a new thing that you can only call Hugo Chavez that. And by the way, I just want to say, I haven't seen Hugo Chavez do anything Hitler like. You no. might want to com- compare him to Mao Zedong. Okay. But I don't know if he f- fits in with a Hitler. No, he's too socialist. Mm. Wasn't Hitler a socialist? I thought he was a fascist. Wasn't he a fascist socialist? Maybe. Mm. All right, so um, we're wrapping up today's show. Um, letter grade for yourself, as D. Really? Why you, did you grade yourself so low? You didn't cry today, and you didn't make it all about Fez. You were involved yeah. in conversations today. Right, that's why I didn't give myself an F. I just I wasn't on enough to um, go higher than a D. You had to be on the show at least 12, 13 minutes, maybe 15 minutes today. What do you think, Hicks, if we put it all together? Oh, well, maybe more than that. Well, give me a number. All right, uh, 27. If you were on 27, that would be your biggest record in years. And that would mean aces. Because we're doing a sliding scale. I thought you had a, a good show today. Maybe it's the hat. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's the fact that you got out there and competed in the cupcake eating contest. Yeah. Uh, this Monday, though, we are doing uh, the Unmasked. And uh, we're all looking forward to that. 
uh, Pendulette's book is so funny for how <laughs> he is ready to name names. That's awesome. Good. It's no matter what field it has to be in. Not even always kind of the other mu magicians. <laughs> it's made me laugh out, out loud a couple times, though. Um, but he is an outspoken guy, and this should be a great mess. Anything on the television screens I can watch tonight? Tonight on Current, it's uh, Morgan Spurlock hosting the 50 documentaries you must see before you die. I will watch that. That's actually turning into a, a fun show, even though this pisses me off. If it's a show with a list, I get mad. I don't give a shit who's making the list. I get mad with the list. It's very I angry. get nervous about the before you die part. Like I'm going to go see something and then I'll just die. Well, would you rather it was after you die? Here's a movies to watch after you die. Uh, Big Brother back on. By the way, Fez, your pick is looking smarter and smarter to me. She's a floater. Oh, yeah. She's not fun, uh, but she is a liar. And that's very, very helpful. I've seen her swear on her family's lives several times, <laughs> which well, always ends up pissing people off on the finale. Uh, by the way, we're talking about Jane Lynch, who's on the Big Brother program. But the, uh, the good thing for her is no one sees her as a threat, and, but she's so dull. Yeah. yeah and she's she very sucks. agreeable with everyone. They're like, absolutely. Promise me this. You'll get out to Tennessee. And we'll go buck hunting. She's just so dull. Just, um, this just show, to ask, how should I vote? Uh, if we lose Rachel this week, I'm afraid the dullness could really set in. You yeah. need to have some craziness. You, you need that crazy. I, mean, I hate her with a passion, but it's good to have someone to you hate. you got to have people to hate. Who's your favorite to win it all? Danielle? You a Danielle guy? I think I'm going over to Danielle just because the Evil Dick connection. I like Evil Dick. He, that's what got me watching the show again for the first time in years. I wish people would call her Evil Danielle. She yeah. has an evil look about her. Oh, and she likes when other people hurt. Die job. Um, let's see if we need to plug anything else. Um, did we uh, send out the invites on the Pendulette? They, they, yeah, they should have went out. Yeah, They should have went out today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, FreeJasonP.com. FreeJasonP.com for Jason Pure Cow. All the information is there to contact you know local senators, congressmen. I am asking that because Gorilla Bob is on the list, uh, and he's the one who asked. Okay. So uh, everyone's coming. Everybody's here. It's all gonna be fun for everybody. All right, that's it for us. We're back in here tomorrow. Because you gonna try to break your record? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, that's the end of my show. Donk. Thank you for listening to today's Ron and Fez show.